Welcome to episode 236 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man over in Oakland, California on a Monday night, a rainy Monday night. It's Randy Michael Stat. Yes, sir. I am your engineer, Randy Stat, and it's actually a Tuesday night that we are recording, if that's what you were referring to. It 100% <laughs> is a Tuesday. Why did I think it was Monday? <laughs> I I have gone through this time cycle just like all, all of you. I it was Monday too. I know. <laughs> I believe you. Man. It's been a long week. It has been. It was, I, I, what is time? Russell oh. John Fisher. <laughs> a flat circle. Oh, you hack. <laughs> I've never even seen the show. Oksana Valerian of Osachi is also here as well. Hello. Oksana, how are you today? Um... I'm okay. We're in the same boat. We both thought it was Monday. Oh, I don't know why. I went to work physically yesterday. Like, had to go into the office. I should know it's not Monday. How often do you got to go in the office now? Once every quarter. Like, twice a month. <laughs> nice. Mm, sounds like a menstrual cycle. <laughs> <laughs> nope. What's nope. worse? <laughs> What's worse? <laughs> office of the, or the menstrual cycle? I mean, they both make me angry. So. <laughs> you know who doesn't make me angry? Our guest this week, <laughs> Eugene Kotliorenko, comes on the show uh, to talk about uh, basically about a film he made uh, over a decade ago. <laughs> zeros and ones. We spent a lot of time talking about zeros and ones as this film will be displayed in the unnamed footage festival fundraiser for forgotten found footage films available on march 26th and march 27th i believe that zeros and ones will be playing on march 27th pretty yeah, sure it's anybody's guess there um yeah so eugene talked about that uh eugene's also the director of the recently released film spree and then we are which is available now um at we are dot FY, what was it? Brandy, do you remember the website? I think it's dot FYI. Yeah, FYI. Like for your information. You got it. Is that the, is that the uh, record store that... FYE. Oh, FYE. Oh, like I had no idea what you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah, RIP FYE. I liked FYE. It was okay. I, they were better than Suncoast. Yeah, I like Suncoast more. Suncoast was so expensive. Yeah, but they had a good selection. Actually, you know what? No, FYE, I found um, used Criterion shit there that was like legit underpriced i found uh cannibal holocaust at fye uh-huh I found, I found knights of capri knights of capri yeah is that is that the name randy knights of cabria cabria oh, cabria i don't fucking know how do you how do you say eugene's last name again Kotliarenko. oksana can you say it Mm-mm. come on try oh, you're not even gonna try because i i think it should be Kotlarenko. That's not how oh, he says it. But he's the, yeah, he doesn't say it that way. So Kotlerenko. Let's say it again. Kotlerenko. <laughs> Eugene's tight. Kotlerenko. Also, um, hello. Tickets for Unnamed Footage Festival 24 hour. Um, hopefully by the time this is up, they should be up too. They're only ten dollars. It gets you everything. It's ten dollars, you say? Oh my god. The price was right. <laughs> Uh, $10. <laughs> a $10 bill. Um, yeah. And I mean, what the hell was I saying? 
It's, oh, know. yeah, $10. And um, yeah, we're not keeping any of it. It's all going to theaters. We're going to help reopen them. It's good cause. We just want people to tune in, really. It's going to be fucking weird. Uh, like, out of every film fest that we've watched this year, this is going to be way different. It's going to be way different. Not saying it's better. <laughs> it's, I'm saying it's better. I think it's going to be a lot cooler. I'm saying it's better because there's a lot of garbage out there. Well, you know, we talked a lot about, like, Chattanooga and Nightstream. Not garbage. And Not the, garbage. the things we liked were the films demanded you watch them because it's like, hey, man, we're gone after the weekend. Well, our movies, you don't even have a choice. We're showing them to you in the order that we think is best. Uh, we're putting a lot of goodies in between them, and it's gonna be fucking weird. It's, it, it's really gonna weird. be it's gonna be good. Um, I apologize in advance. Yeah, honestly, I wish we had a way to know if anybody actually stayed up the whole time. <laughs> like I've been trying to think of a way, and a, Why? there's gonna be a chat going. So I I think you know. If you stay up the entire time for this thing, reassess your life. No, email us. <laughs> reassess your life. Find some loves in your life. <laughs> there's, there's, there's better things out there. Yes, we are still in a pandemic. A year we've been stuck in the pandemic. But go out there. Do something with your life. Do not watch this for 24 hours. Are we still in a pandemic? Heads up. You want to talk about that? It's going to be more <laughs> than 24 hours. It's going to, yeah. And again, there might be people who don't have more in their life. And if this is your highlight and of your if, year. And if you don't have more in your life and you're looking for more in your life, DM me, bro. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, right. That you wouldn't reciprocate. Just shoot me some DMs. Swipe right, baby. Is that good or bad? Good. That's good. Okay. Right is good. Is that oh. ableist, though? Ableist. For left-handed people? I don't want no dirty southpaws swiping on me, baby. I was gonna call. I was gonna call you a good boy for saying the right is right. No, I meant the right. You know, the right side of the Lord. That's what. You know, it Sounds go, like a good boy. Always goes back to the cross. <laughs> Clark always goes back to the cross. But before he goes to the cross, he goes to Oksana Valerievna Osachi, so she can tell us about what is on VOD. Also, please say Kotliarenko one more time again. No, like you do it. But it's wrong, so why? How is it wrong? It sounds right. Say it. Kotliarenko. Hello. Hello. I am Kotliarenko. I'm here to install television package. Anytime anytime I do a Russian accent, I always have to say television or package. Television package. No, flip it around. You like to watch a package on television? I like do you see my package on television? It was pretty good. Say borscht. Borscht. Oh, wow. Borscht. There's no T, though. You flatlined. There is a T. <laughs> it sounds better. I know what's funny. T is funny. I know it's spelled with a T, but there's no T. There's a T. I just drank some. <laughs> do your segment right. so we can stop. <laughs> um, all right. So the last time Madeline was in town, um, we watched a movie. Enough Madeline talk. My God. <laughs> that is now coming this Friday, coming to select theaters somewhere and also VOD. It's called Come True. With an O. With an O. Thank God. <laughs> um, this is this movie has um, very insane looking interstitials that I can't find pictures of on Rotten Tomatoes 
Um, so looking for escape from her recurring nightmares, 18-year-old Sarah submits to a sleep universe. <laughs> I'm so, I don't know. I don't know why you get so nervous doing this. Because I got stuck in a. You've been doing it for two hundred and thirty episodes. Also, it's the fucking video component. Who cares? So a girl goes. So a girl signs up for a sleep study, and her dreams are insane. <laughs> why she got an eye patch? It looks like a Bluetooth speaker on her eye. You don't remember? No, we watched this. Yeah, remember. It's uh, Madeline didn't want to tell us about the end. People either loved it or hated it. Oh my god, I don't remember. Oh, is this the one with the dreams that look hella cool? Yeah. Oh shit, like the Sopranos. Yeah, and everybody was bitching about the ending. Yeah, that that's a dude we should try and talk to. Man, that movie is fucking cool. Watch come true. I don't like that poster though. Well, the way that you were yeah. describing it, it sounded like a three-star film. No. <laughs> I think uh, my brain is just fried. I agree. Yeah. I Deep fried brain. Yeah. Oh, now you called it interstitials. I didn't know what you meant. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like just, yeah. Pictures from the movie. Stills. <laughs> there we go. Um, so that's going to be on VOD on Friday the 12th. That same day, another movie that I think we also watched in Nightstream comes to VOD called Honeydew. Honey, don't. No, it was good. It was it was cool. I just want to be contrarian. It's all right. <laughs> um, Honeydew tells the story of a young couple who are forced to seek shelter in the home of an aging farmer and a, and her particular son. When they suddenly begin having strange cravings and hallucinations, that's going to be on VOD on the twelfth. Yeah, which we saw as a part of the Nightstream Film Festival back yeah. in the fall. So just coming out now. Again, we uh, those films were covered on episode 215. So we talked about them for a while, yeah. Um, that same day, this one, I'm, I don't know how to pronounce this one. Dark Web Cicada. Cicada 3301. You don't know, what cic you don't know cicadas, dude? No, is that a... What is that? It's an insect. No. Yeah, yeah they, they eat them in Mississippi. We don't so. eat them. <laughs> Whoa, what the oh, fuck is, is that, this movie? Is that uh, Frank... Uh, oh. Uh, oh, Frank the movie? Grillo. Yeah. Grillo. Not Frank Grillo. <laughs> Costanza. No, Frank Barry Bottom. What's, what's his name? <laughs> Barry Bottom? What's his name? It's just called Frank. No, it's he had a last name. Oh, I don't know. He's your boyfriend. You should remember. I love Frank. <laughs> Not enough to remember his last name, though. Surnames are bullshit. <laughs> side bottom, side bottom. I knew it. I want to say berry bottom. Is that berry, the where what's his face wears like a giant head the whole time? Michael Fassbender. Yes, yeah. I love you all. I didn't know he had a last name. I Wait, so dark web cicada thirty thirty oh one oh two three three oh one. Is that a year? Like year three thousand three hundred and one. I don't think so. This intense high-speed cyber thriller is based on a series of mysterious unsolved real-life events. It stars... As a, oh, no. It sounds boring. I thought it was going to be a found footage movie. Genius hacker Connor discovers Cicadia 3301, an online treasure hunt that could be a reoccurring tool for a secret society. Wait, my boy Ron Funches is in this? Oh, oh shit. Yeah. Oh, sign me up. Let's Cicada <laughs> Weird. You I know, love Ron Funches. I don't know. I feel like this is 
supposed to be a like fucking Nicolas Cage movie and they couldn't get him. Yeah, but Ron Funches is Right, tell me that doesn't seem like National Treasure Online. Actually, I would watch that movie. It was got cicadas. That guy's not as cool as Vito. No. All right, anything else? Um, yeah, one more. Um, I'm not sure what theaters this is going to be playing in, but The Waiting is going to be in select theaters Friday the 12th. What the hell is The Waiting? Um, it's about a, a hotel employee who stumbles upon a secret. One of the rooms is haunted. Oh, I like the innkeepers. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I don't know if I want to. However, when he meets the ghost, everything changed. Oh, they hook up? Bro, I've that's been a screenplay I've been working on for a long time. No, it's not. <laughs> ghost hook up. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's called ectoplasm. Um, and then one more. Next Tuesday on... So you had two more. <laughs> one last one. Uh, Tuesday the 16th. Jumbo is going to be um, coming to VOD. Hey, Jumbo, Jumbo. It's another one that is the same episode, right? Because we saw it. At yeah. No, we saw this. No, oh, man. Was this, Chattanooga. this was Chattanooga, Chattanooga nearly a year ago. I don't have the episode pulled up, but. I do. I can find it. Hey, Jumbo, Jumbo. <laughs> that was. Oh, yeah. Clark's right. It was episode 195. How? Is that like a year ago? Wait, Chattanooga was almost a year ago. Dude. Wait, no, but Jumbo, we talked about it with um, HP Mendoza here. That's how long ago that, that shit was. Yeah, yeah, fuck. Dude, uh, when was when was Chattanooga, Randy? Like May? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, man. Yeah, it was May 26th we recorded that. How do you remember that shit? I am awesome. I can't read a calendar, <laughs> let alone remember when anything happened. I, well, that's why we're at the end and the end. Okay, I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> no, for real. That, I'm like shocked that you All remember right. that. For any questions, queries, concerns, or comments, please direct those at podcast at overlooktheater.com. Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, the other one. Find us, like us, comment, tell a friend, tell an enemy. It's not even my business what you do on your own personal time. The Overlook Hours available on Facebook is The Overlook Hour. The Overlook Hours available on Instagram is The Overlook Theater. And The Overlook Hours available on Twitter is The Overlook Hour. Find us, like us, comment, tell a friend, tell an enemy. Randy? Hey, when we uh, going to get back to a theater, you know, 25% uh, capacity? Let's go see this boomer-ass movie called The Father. I know you're down, Clark. What's the... F oh, yeah, I don't know, man. I Anytime you deal with, like, dementia and stuff... I get yeah. a little, I get a little squirrely. Randy, invite me. I'll go. Where's the father <laughs> playing? Stanford. I think it's next to the mother. Oh, it's at Stanford. Yeah. And then uh, Embarcadero <laughs> opens on Friday too. All right. Uh, we'll see you, uh, Randy. Take her home. All right. <laughs> to hear my daughter crying loudly from her room. As I approached her bedroom door, I heard her whisper, Here he comes. I told you I would bring him to you. This week's Tuesday Day Saw Story brought to you by Ricky Umberger. You're going to talk more about him? <laughs> he was on the show last week. There you go. And um, pre-orders for Fear Footage 3 just 
happened. Uh, Fear footage 3 a.m. 3 a.m. The uh, Rob Thomas edition. I must be lonely. <laughs> yeah, so I'm actually, I have to order all three movies. Randy, what's your thoughts on Rob Thomas? I'm a big fan. I used to listen to Matchbox 20 back in the day. What about his uh, song with um, Santana? Uh, not so much a fan of that song, and it's incredibly what? overplayed. Wait, that's a good song. That's a very good song. <laughs> no, this is where my contrarian comes in, and they play it so much everywhere that I have to hate it. All right, what's your thoughts on Carlos Santana? Uh, he's fine. I don't know. It's not really my he's thing. He's guy. Yeah, I know. You know, I'm not much of a uh, a solo guy, so I'm not really into that that, that type of true. also type I feel of music. Like you don't like you don't like dad rock. <laughs> no. I mean, I had a phase back in my day, mostly because my dad was listening to dad rock, but that's about it. What about you? I feel like you don't give a shit about Santana. Who, me? Yeah. No, I like him. He's got a good blues guitar. Like, there's a lot of soul see, in yeah, there. Yeah, you do like a solo. Well, it's not the solo. It's um, the emotion. He's got a really good, It's hard to carry a tune with a melody on a guitar. Like, people don't really give a fuck. But if you can, like, capture people with a good hook, like... And a hook is one thing, a fucking solo. Yeah. Like when you mentioned that Rob Thomas song, I think of the solo. Well, Randy can write a hook. Randy's written hooks. <laughs> Hum one, But Randy. Randy's not a ho- solo guy. <laughs> Randy, you would agree with that. You can write a hook. Yeah, I guess. I've written some some kind of catchy songs, I guess. Yeah. Opinion's got hooks, baby. You got more hooks than a fucking fishing door or something. <laughs> Wait, than, a, than a tackle box? Is that what they call it? Yeah, what was that? Was that me? <laughs> Were you doing an impression of me? Yeah, I don't know. It, it it quickly turned into Chip. Yeah. Chip from what show? I don't... I vaguely know that from you and Grant talking. Chip Chipperson? No, dude. Chip uh, from Chips. Okay. Eric Estrada. All right. I regret that. Yeah, Fear Footage 3. It's out. Support Ricky. I, uh, I, I swore to God. All right. He just leaves now. Yeah, he just <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I he did the Randy Irish goodbye. <laughs> Respect. Yeah, like I thought we owned all the fear footage movies, and I guess we don't. Like one of the perks of running a film a film fest is you know people send you the movie. So we've had a Blu-ray down there forever, and um, I don't know, was it a burnt copy we had or something? Because it's empty. The disc is empty. It's not in there. Ooh, and it's like before he actually marketed them. So it's not as cool as the one that, you know, was for sale. Yeah. So, yeah, we got to get all three. And he's got a shirt. Did you see the fucking shirt? No. Can you pull that up, Oksana? Yeah, he's got a Fear Footage 3 a.m. shirt. We should get it for Randy. You have merch, eh? Randy <laughs> would rock that. Look at that. <laughs> Dude, it's cool. The Fear Footage, 3 a.m. And on the back it says, I must be lonely. <laughs> I must be lonely. No, on the back it says, witness the end. Which is a little bleak. I could get behind it. Um, man, I had notes. Randy, too. let me ask you this: When's the last time that you saw three a.m. on the clock? Besides, like waking up mid REM cycles or something, uh, it's been a long time. Yeah, I, I don't know if I could name it. Well, I think that's why three a.m. carries so much weight. It's like the dead of night. Cause like two. Is right around that time. Yeah, three, it, yeah. three, you settle down. Yeah, three's you're almost at the threshold of it becoming morning. Yeah, like, but yeah, three's scary when you wake up at three a.m. I mean, Ooh. as hack as the saying is, nothing good happens after two a.m. It's pretty true. Oh yeah, 
Hey, nothing good happens after 10 p.m. in my life, brother. Oh, God. (laughs) I'm right there with you. God damn it. Randy, Um, we're a couple of party boys. (laughs) Also, uh, I forgot to mention it last week, but I put it in the show notes. Um, Another movie I talked about had merch. Uh, Monsters of Men. They have a merch store that's fucking... What about Monsters of Inc.? What is that? What? Is that a... I... Oh, man. Sometimes I don't know why I follow up. <laughs> I'm more of a Monsters You guy. Oh my! Are, Are you no guitar riff? Okay, no. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you this: I like Monsters You. What and are I, you talking I don't care about? Who Monsters Inc. Oh, it's that Chinese animation. I can't watch that. Chinese animation. Yeah. They're in. They're in bed. Pixar. With yeah, Pixar. Aren't they're they? They're here in Emeryville, baby. Oh, yeah. I know they're here, but no, they're, they're getting their money oh from us. Yeah, look look at this merch store. If you're on YouTube, you can see it. Dude, they have so are... much, so many different designs for that robot in Dude, Monsters those and are Men. Cool, and they're they're all fucking cool. I want that sweatshirt. I'll tell you right now, I would never wear a shirt that said I was on the film crew if I wasn't. <laughs> and half of their merch gives you that fake street cred. So if you're if you're looking to, uh, I don't know. Thicken okay. up your IMDb, would you, but would you get <laughs> would you get a COVID mask? This is film crew monsters. I don't, dude. Man, the design on all of it is so good, including that dumb mask. I that, like the coffee mug, dude. I like a lot of it. You would get a film crew coffee mug. You don't mm. want to be out there with stolen valor, that's for sure. And I know stolen valor. it totally. I couldn't do it. That straight up looks like Rebel Cup. But I don't even see the appeal. Like, why would you put film crew on shirts, sweatshirts, and you know, sell it to people that aren't on the crew? Actually, you know what? Click one of those. Maybe you can't buy it. Maybe they were only available to the crew because again, why would that be a thing? Because it's Teespring, so they weren't. Nope, you can buy it because you know. Um, That's weird. So you put it on there so your crew could buy it. Like maybe if you're running a really tight ship. Yeah, but then you send them some sort of secret link. Uh, you don't just throw it out there for any not if you're like, for any average Joe. I mean, it'd be really easy just to put it up there for a day and then you know for any Randy stat to come along and get stolen <laughs> valor. <laughs> the stolen, I like that stolen valor of a film crew. Yeah, um, man, film crews work hard, man. I thought I had more I wanted to talk. No, yeah, that's all the last week roundup shit I had. Yeah, I didn't watch anything this week. Not even a TV show. I got no man. Like we were, we were on a secret assignment, and uh, not not uh, not any film stuff well, got done. We had a guest over, and we shot some promo footage with them. Uh, we've put that out. If you wanted to meet a uh, Vernon, uh, I'm sure I'm sure everybody's seen that damn trailer. We put it everywhere. He's a jerk. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, we were shooting some. Um, Second screen bonus feature shit for the film fest. Also, Madeline was here and is a part of the interview. Yeah, she was here. She was pretty <laughs> bummed that we couldn't work uh, an intro in while she was still here. But well, because that bitch decided to go make <laughs> coffee two minutes before we got the guest on. Yeah, it worked out okay, except that we didn't Love introduce ourselves. So there was a point where he thinks you're Randy. That I thought was very. Funny. I wanted to. I wanted to keep that going. I was not going to correct him. I wanted to keep that going. Yeah, uh, y'all, y'all ruined that, dude. Eugene was tight. Eugene, Eugene came in hot, man. Also, um, you know, he. There's always a turning point in the interview where we think people like finally trust us and will hang out and just you know let their guard down. 
And I feel like he came in prepared with that. He came in ready to party. And also, you know, in that conversation, I wanted to give him props on a, we talk a little bit about Spree and he mentioned in passing how he, it took him a long time to create every user comment in that live feed. Wow. And I wanted to tell him that, you know, when we, when I originally reviewed this thing on here, that was the main thing I gave him props for was an, a, a believable uh, viewership count and especially the way it increased, but also the uh, quality of comments. He, he did a good job, but he is like an internet ambassador. That dude. Oh I, yeah. Man. He definitely knows the internet better than I do. I mean, he's made like multiple screen life <laughs> films. Like yeah. How many? Cause you got skydiver, Zeros and ones. Well, zeros and ones, I still would consider screen life on some aspect. Yeah, we I mean? get into that. Because how later. else are you going to classify it? Um, just groundbreaking. <laughs> Randy, did you did you see zeros and ones? Did you have a chance? No, I haven't checked out that yet. Or skydiver. Or uh, yeah, another one that was mentioned. Skydiver is available on uh, his Vimeo channel. Vimeo, right? yeah. Uh, zeros and ones, Randy. I rented it for three ninety nine U.S. dollars. And instead of doing that, you should pay ten and just go to our film fest. Also that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I really like zeros and ones, dude. It's rad. Again, I would stand. Uh, I stand by my original statement, saying that it's not a true screen life film. And we get into it in the interview. I'm not gonna, yeah, retread. It's great. So yeah, stay tuned uh, for the interview with. Eugene. But before we do all of that, Randy Michael is going to tell us what he saw this past week. I don't know why I stressed it out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like you guys, I also didn't watch a whole lot this week, but I did just... What the hell were you doing, you jerk off? Um, Excuse me, I did. Just get ready, Randy. I got five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. I think I've seen maybe two since last time we... uh, actually did an intro, but uh, I watched something on Criterion Channel literally right before this. Pass. Oh, Michael Bay? I wish. <laughs> uh, no, there is a uh, sort of like a, a series of films along with a docuseries um, called Women Make Film. Uh, it's by the same director who made uh, The Story of Film and Odyssey, which is a very long uh, it's very like film schooly, um, series just about, you know, the history of, of film, um, that I watched back in the day. And then he did one on literally just all, uh, female filmmakers. Apparently, I think it was on TCM a couple years ago and uh criterion just picked it up. So it's on, uh, well, it's on their channel at least. Um, so I watched the first episode, uh, Tilda Swinton does the, uh, voiceover and it's, it's really good so far. Like I said, it's definitely very, uh, film schooly, so you kind of got to be in the mood for that but i don't know it's cool so far and there's like a ton of directors that i've like literally never heard of before <laughs> now randy you say tilda swinton does the voiceover does she do the voice as tilda swinton or as some sort of alien or you know ninth century poet or whatever the fuck she does uh it's a pretty just normal like kind of uh Mono, not monotone, but not uh, not super expressive Tilda Swinton, but Ooh, it's good. Fighting words. Randy's throwing down the hammer on T-Swit. <laughs> Apparently Jane Fonda <laughs> uh, narrates some episodes and uh, Sandy Newton, Deborah Winger, a bunch of people. Deborah Winger? Oh, good. To see, she's out getting some sun. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
<laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, it seems like a cool series. There is literally 14 episodes. They're all like an hour long. So. I'm sorry, 14? Uh-huh. You so watched the first episode? <laughs> yeah. So I got a lot of work to do. And then along with, um, so when you click into the Women Make Film series what? on Criterion Channel, there's also a bunch of really great movies by like Miranda July, uh, Agnes Varda, uh, Elaine May, uh, Mikey and Nikki's on there, which is really solid. Um, yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff oh, on here. Wait, Daisies I is in here. Mikey and Nikki a long time ago. Mikey and Nikki rules. I just watched it kind of recently. Was it Elaine May, right? Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, Mikey and Nikki's a trip. Yeah, it's great. Apparently she shot like an insane amount of footage for that movie. Yeah, it's uh, Peter Falk and uh, Cassavetes. Yeah. And uh, what's the deal? Like Peter Falk plays um, Cassavetes is in some trouble and he needs Peter Falk's help. Is that it? What's the deal? (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's like kind of a mob. That's it. Yeah. I think it's like one of those like one night or like one day movies. And yeah, one of them is into some shit and trying to trying to get some help. They're a good duo. They're like me and Russell. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> who's uh, who's who? who I, yeah. Mikey or Nick? I don't know. Because Peter Falk, I, I, it, Peter Falk's my spirit animal, but Cassavetes is cool. I don't want you to be cool. <laughs> Cassavetes is pretty cool. <laughs> Cassavetes is really cool. Well, you got to pick. <sighs> All right. Maybe we're not like Peter Falk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're more like the clumps. Okay. <laughs> You couldn't do better than that. <laughs> what are they, like Ren and Stimpy or something? Oh, Ren and Stimpy's pretty good. I don't know. Besides that, I watched a uh, a movie that is on uh, the Roxy Virtual Cinema that was plugged on uh, this year's show. Apparently, according to Google, the box office, 624 USD. Oh, shit. Hell yeah. Uh, it's Quentin DePia's new movie. Keep an eye out. Hell yeah. Which I don't even think is a new movie. I think it's just now finding like a virtual release. That makes sense because like Mandibles still hasn't gotten a, f- a full release yet. Oh, Randy, you saw this? I wanted to see this. Yeah. Um, it's good. It starts off um, with a scene of the of a band in sort of like this uh, outdoorsy really nice looking area. And there is a, uh, a man in just underwear conducting the, uh, the orchestra and then some cops show up and then he like runs off and they like chase after him. And then after that, you never have anything to do with that scene again in the entire movie. sounds a lot like tenant. <laughs> <laughs> it does kind of, uh, but then after that, it kind of goes into like a, uh, you know, a, a very Quentin Dupieux movie where it's just essentially, uh, it's a, uh, like there's like a police interrogation happening for, uh, some guy that committed a murder and it gets kind of, uh, kind of heady, kind of, kind of weird, very, uh, deadpan. It's, uh, you know, it's only like 73 minutes or something. I, uh, him doing his thing. Yeah. It's him doing his thing. If you're into what he does, I think he would dig it. Or if you're like a, you know, a completist of Quentin Dupieux, I'd say check it out, but um, it's definitely not as good as Deerskin, which I think is maybe my favorite of his stuff. Deerskin slaps, man. It's so I good. Think, I think uh, we've got two new Quentin Depew fans over here on the opposite side of the table is Russell and Oksana nah. did see Mandibles. Y'all quite were taken. I'm very pro-canceling uh, him. 
Okay. <laughs> What's happening here? Deerskin. You guys need to see Deerskin. It's very good. I believe it. Um, but I don't know, man. Rubber, rubber is always going to have a, 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 a soft spot in my heart. I, yeah, I, I need to rewatch that. It's been like, you know, probably since it came out since I've seen it. And um, I still haven't seen Wrong Cops. And I really, I like Wrong. And I, what's the one I'm missing? I like how you're just naming titles and Oksana's trying to keep up with you. <laughs> on the I'm just, I'm naming all the uh, Quentin Depew. Well, she He's also even apparently a uh, very good musician named Mr. Oizo. I'm sorry. <laughs> Apparently he's a Oizo. <laughs> he is also a musician named Mr. Oizo, who I've never oh. heard. Oh, like Mr. Bungle. It's Mr. Oizo. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Oizo Boizo. No, I thought um What's Oingo Boingo's name? That's Oingo Boingo. I know what's Danny Elfman. Yeah, Danny Elfman. That's like, yeah, I couldn't think of Danny Elfman. Now that's our guy from do you know who that is? I no. That's we, that's Teddy Oso. From, I have no idea. We name this movie probably once a month. Low Life. Oh wait, who who's he playing? Low Life, the bad guy, Teddy oh, Bear. That's Teddy Bear. He does not look like it in that police no, uniform. No, but that's him. And uh, you know who that is? Is that Manson? The recently canceled Marilyn Manson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, with the newly canceled Depew. Is Depew canceled? No, Peppy Depew's canceled. Peppy LePew's canceled? <laughs> Bitch, you don't know that? Who did he fuck? Dude, have you ever watched the Peppy LePew cartoon? Not, I'm not really. Out of all the canceling that's been done, I think I'm down with that one. What's Peppy's deal? Watch a fucking Peppy LePew short. All he does is harass cats that accidentally got a stripe on their back. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's all he does. <laughs> He's not funny. Yeah, they canceled him out of the new Space Jam movie. Oh, the only thing I heard about the Space Jam is that uh, Lola Bunny's... Uh, Bust size is bigger. Oh, yeah, is smaller. Oh, but her butt's probably bigger. It's a new generation we're dealing with. <laughs> that is true. The kids like the bigger, the bigger. Dude, I legitimately had a friend who would not shut the fuck up about Lola Bunny. Like growing up, we'd be playing basketball, and he would just be explaining the fantasies he would have with that bunny. No, no, dude. <laughs> How's he doing now? I don't know. Um, honestly, I wouldn't be at last. I heard he moved to Manteca. And if you're out here in California, (laughs) (laughs) I love him to death. Kenny, if you're out there listening, uh, I think about you every now and then more like it's 2021. You could be horny for cartoons now, right? Yeah, no, for sure. This was before the big anime boom, at least hit, uh, my Yeah. Oksana pulled up a topless picture of Lola bunny on here. (laughs) 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 It's still censored. Yeah, but I got a good imagination, all right? Good imagination. Randy. Uh-huh. <laughs> have you watched any more of Alan versus Pharaoh? I have. Have you? I have not. Are you up to speed? Yeah. It's right, getting pretty get, bad. Get me up to speed. It's getting bad? Yeah. Uh, so basically, uh, sometime in like, you know, the 90s or whatever, when the Sunyi stuff was happening... Uh, I think Woody Allen started recording their phone calls and then Mia Farrow got uh, word that he was recording phone calls. So she was recording his phone calls as well. <laughs> That's a good family there. And uh, yeah, you know, he pretty much just says like, I'm going to straight deny anything you try to say pretty much. So, well, I heard that his biography um, 
it really makes it look like he was uh like wrongfully accused. Like people were kind of like, you know, like setting him up and like, I don't know, all the accounts I've heard from people who read that said he comes out pretty clean and he's believable. So I'm, yeah. I'm curious, like, it's yeah, so- I don't know. I mean, obviously the, the Sun Yi thing is a, a fact that we can't deny, you know, like they actually yeah. like, and that's creepy enough as is, you know? So like, yeah. I don't know. It's definitely possible that the other stuff with Dylan Farrow is true. Um, you know, so I'm not like saying that he's for sure innocent, but yeah, you know, it's like, I don't yeah. know. It's complicated. Our culture is so weird though. Like if, um, like somebody gave me an example and it's like, Clark, if I came up to you and I'm like, Hey, they just arrested the uh, linebacker for the lions. You know, Jamie Collins from the University of Southern Mississippi. Continue. Most people would say, what do you do? And it's just like our culture. That's like not how it should be. It shouldn't instantly be like, oh, he was arrested because something happened. And he's, you know what I mean? Like we instantly go towards guilt. And uh, I don't know. I'm trying to actively rewire my brain so that I can actually, you know, be like, uh, innocent until proven guilty. And then if, you know, you're found hung in your jail cell in a. (laughs) large case then it'll be like eh. no it's it's true man you know yeah i don't know we we uh, we're a weird society <laughs> we like our Indeed. justice yeah but again the shit was soon ye like well okay now i don't know much about it now did he end up staying with her or like who's they're still it? together okay well does that count for anything no <laughs> <laughs> no it's like mary Kay letourneau no, okay. Oh, and they split too. So I've been listening to some pretty uh, dicey podcasts over here. I like to have an <laughs> open mind. And I've heard people make arguments for abolishing like uh, child sex laws and shit. And some of them I can understand where they're coming from. But dude, our society is so quick to like, you know, light all of our uh, stick tools on fire and <laughs> march somebody out of their house if any kind of wrongdoings in the air. <sighs> I don't know. I, I mean, if they're still together, I'd hate to like break up a love story. But again, I don't. How old was she? She was like thirteen. Yeah, I, I guess you know the real issue is like, uh, you put trust in your guardian or your parent, and you just don't want them to mislead you. Yeah, man. So, yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I really don't know much about that story. I am, however, a huge fan of uh, Polanski, and I'm uh, more <laughs> down for his method. Just fucking leave. <laughs> I mean, he was actually convicted, so he really didn't have a choice. Well, wasn't the thing with the the judge, like, he got cleared, and then a new judge took over the the court case, and then was like, no, you have to come back. We're doing it again. He said, well, fuck you, and then flew to, like... Well, because he went mud riding with a 13-year-old in a jacuzzi. Oh, yeah. Well, um, you know, the reptiles, they really like to, like, get these people in a corner with some footage of them. Also, did you like how I referred to anal sex as a mud rider? (laughs) Well, that's what writing dirty means, right? Riding dirty, riding dirty. All right. So, Randy, thank you for updating us on that. Oh, oh yeah. It's you are with Drogas. And it's both. Or you need to wipe. No, because if you're a mule, that means you got Drogas in your dirty hole. <laughs> Thinking of dirty holes. Dirty- <laughs> <laughs> Why did that make you laugh? I should have had Oksana's mic there. Randy, um... You know that I like to keep a clean undercarriage. Oh, no. Absolutely. So I, I've got some, uh, I keep wipes in the bathroom. Oh, where are we Okay. Going? 
and I ran out of wipes the other day. Oh, so no. I had to buy baby wipes. Oh. And I finally said, Yeah, but these had little baby ducks on them. <laughs> <laughs> and every time I had to wipe my butt, it just felt weird. They didn't want to go to that pond. And I've only got one more baby duck left. I'm oh. <laughs> hey, uh, since you didn't watch a film, you should talk about the Vice thing we just watched. Oh my God. There's what? a good segue right there. I don't want, I don't, I, you know, I don't, you know, in the comfort of my home, <laughs> I like to just slam people in front of you. Like, oh, I like sexually. I'm fine with like talking negatively about people, like in the comfort of my home, <laughs> it, you know, with friends and our family. Mm -hmm. But uh, on airwaves, I think it's a, a slightly different thing. So. Well, what about the, the, what the fuck were they called? The Weebies? Who who were the the weebies the cowboy people that you hated in that movie? The oh, wee boys. The, the wee, wee boys. boys. I almost called them the Uyghurs, and I went, "Ooh, no, pump the, the brakes there." Can I tell you? I want nothing more <laughs> than for y'all to watch this garbage movie. What was it? Let him go. Okay, Randy. If, it's streaming, if it ends up streaming somewhere that I already have a subscription to, I'm down. It's oh. it's for rental now. Yeah, Rented. pass. Eighty-three percent. Yeah, people like friends. that movie. Go, go to the reviews, please, Oksana. Uh oh. All right, let's see. Here. Find a bad one. You won't find a bad one. You know who loved this is. movie? Former President Osama bin Laden. What's <laughs> Barack Obama? Oh, when did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> that was a complete accident. <laughs> Oh God! Wait, wait! You, she found, no, a, she found a bad one. Sponsored by the Proud Boys. Because I, <laughs> I don't know how to talk. According to my dad, they're called the Good Boys. Oh, right. you know what? Here's my favorite positive review. Is everyone ready? A slow burn <laughs> by Kathia Woods from Cup of Soul. <laughs> I don't know anything of what I just had. One of 2020's best films. Shut the fuck up, Matt Brunson. <laughs> This Southern Gothic doesn't quite fit with the carefully drawn central couple, but Bazooka. What is that? Keeps a vice-like hold on the view. I have no oh, idea. Oh, is that an actress or an actor? Bazooka. Oh, no, that's the director. Okay. No, the director's a hunk of garbage. It felt like he used it like an adjective. The movie he did before this one was called Monte Carlo, <gasps> and it was a Selena Gomez film. Oh, dude. Monte yeah. Carlo Nights. Hell yeah. What's the name of that band? That's a reference for only me and Russell. Uh, Screamer. I've got okay, their merch, just, uh, dude. Hashtag. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag Screamer. What's up? Was the Vice thing the uh, Papa Roach documentary? Oh, uh, no, no, but I know what I'm doing after we record this. Dude, I, I tried to get you to watch it before. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's you know it's a last resort. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Are you going to do... Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. Also, I, you know, I, I gave you uh, the forceful segue there. Not thinking you'd rip it, but just talk about it. That was you projecting all that negative energy on there. Because right. that guy sucks, dude. <laughs> I hate his stupid little face. The way he talks, it's a Vice, man, I got issues with Vice. Although I did read a Vice article today. That was very good. Uh, 
Randy, you do understand that the suicide rate in Japan has been very high for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know why? No clue. Do you know why, Russell? Depression. They're not, yeah, they're not happy. Do you know why they're depressed? Uh, because they're agoraphobic. It is. It has been long practices uh, in Japan, I think since the 60s, in order to boost the economy, that they would approve overtime. Oh, yeah, yeah. So 60-hour work weeks are common. Yeah, but as common as a 40-hour week is here, it's 60 in Japan. And for a businessman sleeping on the street is very common. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of social pressure. So one of the problems there is if you're the first one to leave, yeah, everybody looks down on you. Yeah. So a lot of people, it's a waiting game. Man, they, they try that, to wait each that, other out. Dude, no wonder. That's a horrible. Well, I mean, look, in a decadent society, too, you have a lot of um, single people living mostly online, and um, you work all day, and then you fucking you know, party at night on the internet. And they always wear suits, man. Like, suits, they wear you down, brother. It's a crazy culture. I totally still want to go to Japan. I would love to fly out there. But, um... No, you wouldn't. You would... Oh, no. I The act of flying, no, but I'll get over it. They would have to put you under. Oh, I, I, I've tried. <laughs> it hasn't worked, but... I don't know. A flight from Japan, Japan to SFO, I think that was around nine hours. Yeah, I don't know. Well, the Philippines, we know so many people that fly out there. Fucking 16-hour flight. Hell no. That, dude, dude, that's the Philippines? Yeah. Well, they get 16 in the Philippines. Yeah, it is. Oksano, how many? It's 16 in Australia. Now, you don't actually have to Google it. I thought you just knew. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure my sister, and there's like, you know, a connecting flight. Oh, can't do that. It's 11 to Tokyo nonstop. 11, yeah. Ooh. Tokyo. Yeah. So that Vice doc, you want to just... What was it even called? I don't even remember. Oh, it was it was the I get my ball shaved at a one star. Yeah, he he does these one star uh, Yelp review places, and then he goes to them. Um, he's stupid, and I hate him. Yeah, he's got no charisma, and the only reason we're familiar with that dude, I don't even know who cares what his name is. He did one on a ventriloquist convention. And we watched that, and it was actually there was so much potential for an interesting documentary. He punches down because he doesn't know what else to do, and it just frustrates me because I have, again, as a classically trained investigative journalist from the <laughs> University of Southern Mississippi who graduated with a two point two GPA, <laughs> I understand. I know where my ceiling is, and I knew I was never going to be a journalist. Okay, I don't have the discipline, but I respect it. Like. Uh, the respect I have for good journalists, I mean, I, I, I can't say enough. And when I see these fucking clowns and Vice does this, yeah, Taji, I'll say his name, Taji Amin, you know, he's annoying. Didn't we have, work with the dude that uh, left to yeah. go be an intern? Yeah, at Vice. And I remember. Wait, what? So we worked, uh, again, I won't name the name, but Who? like. We worked at a company. I don't remember his name, but we worked at a company with a bunch of artists, like a bunch of people in bands, a bunch of people who did art, a bunch of like talented people. And then there was that guy. Vice is white. And then he's like, yeah, I'm quitting. I'm, I'm interning with Vice. And it's like, you dress like a hipster, but out of everybody in here, you're the least interesting. And it's like, ah, that's kind of Vice. Though. Who is this? I don't know. I don't remember his name. Do you remember Randy? No. I'm picturing him, but I also don't remember his yeah, name. That's how, he's boring. He's a three-star friend. 
<laughs> also, Clark, have you watched Trafficked yet? The Nat Geo show? No, but I... No. The the host was on uh, Joe Rogan like a couple months ago, Mariana Von Zeller. Oh, she was interesting. She's the one that was like staying with the cartel. Yeah, the show's oh, insane yes, and yes, very yes. good. I've been watching that like all week. Right? Oh. This is a television program? Yeah, it's a Nat Geo show, but it's uh, streaming on Hulu if you have Hulu. I have Hulu, Randy. Yeah, I do. It's good. Get into Randy, it. I, uh, this is about drug trafficking. Dude, uh, you didn't hear the interview? Each episode's like yeah. a different thing. There's drug trafficking, there's fentanyl, there's guns, there's uh, the tiger trade in the U.S. and all humans? that shit. No, no humans yet. Good. Did you say fentanyl? Yeah, fentanyl. It's a big thing. Isn't it fentanyl? It's fentanyl. Whatever. Same thing. <laughs> it took Michael away from us. Randy, you take the damn drug. Respect it. It's <laughs> <laughs> too hard for me, dude. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I love these episode names. Pimps. Episode five, pimps. <laughs> episode yeah. six, cocaine. Episode seven, tigers. Spelled with a Y. She's great too. She's Tiger. badass and gets into some very uh, sketchy situations. Yeah. Again, I hate talking about Rogan on here. I don't know why. Actually, I've only listened to one of his shows this year, but I did listen to that one last year and it was great. Well, yeah. This is a good recommendation, Randy. I'll, I'll watch this. I've been looking for something to watch because I've been doing Hell yeah. retreads. I recommended um, Patriot to a friend last week, and uh, I started rewatching nice. that again. That's an excellent show. Oh, look at all these booties. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Are you done? Should I just go? You got nothing? Yeah, I got nothing, man. We could talk about that found footage movie. We, or we couldn't. Or we, yeah, we could skip it. Yeah, let's skip it. All right, then I'm going to do four. Oh, my God. All right, I'm God. joking. I'm going to do three. Um, Oksana, you ready? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> God, I forgot about that. God, I, I kind of miss doing the morning zoo thing. I don't know. I feel like nobody else did. Hey, well, welcome back. <laughs> yeah. Right. Trump got the Rona. Trump got the Rona. Trump got the coronavirus. That held up well. I know. <laughs> it was so like, it's just evergreen. All right. Um, oh, Randy. So while Madeline was out here hanging out, we did what we normally do. And, uh, after like working all day, there was, you know, the, by sunny- the way, y'all got cheesecake. And didn't tell me that's fucked up, bro. You went to bed. You dude, bed. Cheesecake is a real thing. <laughs> oh, and I don't know. Um, I don't think they're nation. No, that's so weird. So we got it from nations, which I don't think is a national chain. No, but, uh, I, yeah, it it's was missed opportunity. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I couldn't even say it because I'm like, wait, yeah, so we got it from Nations if you're out here in the Bay Area, and um, it was very good. But again, we were working hard in the day and playing hard at night. I drank way too much every night, and uh, I drank none. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you weren't smoking either. I was smoking. I smoke every day. I smoke I'm weed every day. I'm so disappointed <laughs> for you because I know Get past food, there you go. <laughs> no, but no, I'm thinking about quitting. That's okay. It keeps you good. No, I, don't I think you need it. I don't want smoker breath or teeth. Look, man, I gotta, I gotta keep the things that I got going. I gotta keep those strong. As far as my face is concerned, I'm only eyebrows and teeth. Uh-huh. That's all I got. So if my <laughs> teeth go, what? You know what I mean? Well, what you- happens if I get alopecia? If I get alopecia, and I'm smoking, <laughs> I got nothing left. I got no discernible face qualities. 
Yeah. Randy, I, your thoughts? I hear alopecia is tough. Yeah, you don't want that. <laughs> yeah, man. Alopecia, our boy uh, Soho Hank. Nope. Dead <laughs> Not my boy. Oh, yeah. there. <laughs> don't know him. Took okay. me a second. So, yeah, we, we drank a bunch and then we would watch movies like we did. I mean, originally when we first met Madeline way back in the day, she would come over and we would drink. And uh, when I had the projector in the garage, we would just watch movies that, you know, nobody else would watch. And uh, this we we had a few this week. I have a uh, pick three to talk about. Briefly, I'll mention the first one we watched on. Um, the fuck did we we watched it on a weird app that made us watch 48 commercials every fucking five Tubi. minutes. Tubi. No, it wasn't. You know what? And I'll get to Tubi later. Oh. But we opened up. What, what the hell did we watch Neo Wolf on? Not Showtime. It was, I don't know. I can't remember. It was something weird. We found it and um, literally every 10 minutes, you would have five commercials. Crackle. No. It was a weird app. It was like, oh, no, it was it was on. I know now. It was on Roku and it was a third party app. I think it was called like Film Streak or something. Film Strike. I don't know. It was a nightmare, and uh, it made everybody tap out. Not the movie, but the commercials. Dude, we I counted, we had five commercial breaks of five commercials each. Ooh, commercial tap outs. Good. That sounds like a game show. It does, right? And uh, who can stand the most commercials in two hours? God. It's commercial <laughs> tap out. And they're With your host, oh, no. Snoop Dogg. Okay, get this. <laughs> oh, Snoop Dogg. You know, that was another thing I want to mention. Last week, Snow on the Bluff. Yeah, like oh, I mentioned yes. Snow on the Bluff, too, and I found an article. I put it in the um, show notes for last week. Um, it I guess I guess Snoop Dogg got sued because the uh, creator of Snow on the Bluff said that he tried to make a two and a three without him. Curtis Snow. Yeah. So Curtis ended up suing him. Actually, the director's not Curtis Snow. I don't think. OK, well, that's what I get for believing you. Yeah. Damon Russell. OK. I mean, close. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we. uh. Yeah, I, I don't know. I couldn't find Snow on the Bluff 2 or 3. I love Snow. But I, I found that article and I linked it, whatever. Um, well, see if you can uh, rip it off the internet. Well, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, if I can track it down, we could watch it. Right, track cool. it down. Especially if it's like an illegal film that got like shut down by the courts. Oh, I would you, love that. You, you get too messing. Think right. About that. Um, Randy, that means a wreck. <laughs> now, uh, yeah, we ended up watching a movie called Neo Wolf. Uh, can you pull that up, Oxon? Uh, you know what? I should do that. From the Matrix? I'm getting lazy. That would be how you spell it. Uh, the synopsis of this film is two college lovers face an ancient evil when a strange rock band comes to town. Oh, I watched 30 minutes. Of you came in for a part of it. I'll tell you, uh, it's, it's a great drinking movie. It's got like that 90s um, soft core thing going. Uh, I'll tell you right now, the band that comes through town is a werewolf band. If you couldn't get that from Neil Wolf and, uh, they trick a local, um, Oh God, there's a dude who was dating this girl and they had a relationship, but he went to audition for a band and they accepted him, but then he quit the band cause he couldn't be away from his girlfriend and they had a turbulent, uh, reunion. Anyway, this band comes to town, uh, Neil Wolf. And they see him at a show and they try to recruit him as a guitarist. It's fucking smut. 
uh, it's good. There's a werewolf sex scene where she's topless and she takes a selfie with them both in it so that it will break up him and his girlfriend. Go um, to the bone zone. And I'll tell you, uh, there's music in this and it's all from a band. Um, what the hell were they called? I don't know. They were terrible. But I did manage to find an acoustic track. I'll, I'll play a little bit of it. I don't know how this is going to pick up because I just decided to do it right now. But here we go. For my girl. Dude. It's fucking. It sounds like a protest song. You were the first for me. You'll be the only one. This movie has. Is this Lifehouse? It. <laughs> we kept making jokes about that. It's very like Jarl Christian rock. Except if you watch the scene, Oxen, I'll send you the link to put it in the video. Um, well, now it's turning into Cat Stevens. Well, it's a smoky bar, and his friend and his on and off girlfriend are like longingly gazing at him. Dude, the music in this movie is all early 2000s, like hard Christian rock type stuff. Sign me up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's enough of that. Um, it's bizarre. Honestly, it was the most boring film we watched. Uh, the next one. It was the band called Signal? Yeah, the band was called Signal. Oh, original. And their album cover looked like some like new metal shit. Like there was some like close-up of machinery. Okay, I think I found them on um, Spotify. It, it doesn't matter. Now, Randy, you call new metal poo metal. Is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> correct, yeah. I hate it. Wait, really? Randy, <laughs> no. did you ever go through a phase? I went through a phase, actually, yeah. What was, what was your new metal band? I don't know. I definitely had Limp Biscuit CDs back in the day. Oh, weak. Bro. Lincoln Park. No flavored water. I had, uh, yeah, I had that one. <laughs> he probably, he had $3 bill, or was that the time? I had $3 bills, y'all, yeah. Yeah. Um, Clark, do you have a new metal band? Uh, I know you did. I. You look like you're ashamed. Does you Kid don't. Rock count? Uh, yeah, yeah. I I mean, he quickly got away from it, but like, yeah, when he came out, that was definitely well. You like, you know that Creed is is near my heart. Yeah, but they're not really new metal. No. I I would definitely call them Yarl, which nobody else. Also, if you're a fan of Yarl, if you if I say that word and you know what it means, new metal just always seemed very obnoxious. It's it's <laughs> very um, like amateur. It's not like if I God if I grew up and liked a different type of music, like a different genre, I could actually play guitar. <laughs> New metal was not a good, like uh guiding light to like become a technical guitar player. It's all like drop D tuning and bar chords. It's terrible. Um Who's your new metal? Oh, stained for sure. Yeah. I love them. That's why when I heard uh you have a friend going to see Aaron Lewis in yeah. concert, I was like, <laughs> dude, I mean country Aaron Lewis. Yeah. I mean, what a trip. I, I would go see it just to do it, but I have no interest in that music. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll get into it. Anyway, the the next film we watched was a uh, Hulu get. And um, you know what it is, Oksana? A very oh, yeah. pro provocative title. One, um, one that you could... Uh, in and of itself? Oh, what? Is that the title or are you saying... It's no, that's the, the magician thing. I made you watch that you 
hated the whole time. I have no idea. I have no. Oh no, I didn't hate it. That was that was okay. You did your Russell negative thing the whole time, Randy. No, I'm trying no, to I didn't. Sh- I'm trying to culture this man. <laughs> In and of itself. That's the one where the dude had like a tissue under his eye and then they kept doing all the cutesy timeline shit. It was good. My my critique of that was they should have slowed that fucking camera down. I tell you, the the biggest critique, I agree with you. Uh, I I don't like the way that they filmed it. Mm -hmm. I wish that we just would have stayed with the whole stage show thing. It, It got a little too cute. Well, you can tell that that dude was so dialed in yeah. that the emotion he was building up. Because I really like that guy. Yeah. And and he commanded that fucking stage. Yeah. But the editing just like cut the fucking yeah. emotion out of it. Yeah. And, and, it, and it, it made it like. It made it cute. Even more saccharine than it already was. But I'll tell you, it, you can be cute and effective. And I think it was effective. Like when they were doing that, like the book thing where everybody takes the book and writes in it. Yeah. Like that was making me emotional. Yeah. I, I was definitely doing distance techniques to like not give into that and yeah. like talk over it, but I could tell. Yeah. I mean, who wants to fucking shed a tear for that shit? It's stupid. But the final <laughs> act of what he does is, is pretty good. And again, I think that's an old like vaudevillian thing. But again, the, the, the memorization is just like a card of decks. That's all the thing. If yeah, you've got, sure. if you can, you know, if you can access that, it's the same thing. That's why upon second viewing, I was like, oh, of course he can do that. Like if, if he can memorize an entire deck of cards, like, yeah, what a weird, what an interesting technique, like skill to have. Yeah. I mean, I heard a, well, I, but, but part of me, like it, I get depressed watching stuff like that. Why? Because what am I doing with my life? <laughs> Not memorizing if you, cards. If you see someone with, you know, an exact set of skills like that, don't you become envious? Because then, no, you know, because then I look at like, oh, what can I do? I can tell you every episode in the third season of Entourage. Now, here's the thing. That's what I, I bring. There's a trade off for everything. And I would say you're a man of leisure and you like to relax. I'm leisure and pleasure, baby. Yeah. So you'd have to give that up. I mean, a family man gives up, you know, other things. Like, so I was talking about, um, to bring it back to, uh, Justin, our old third chair, uh, that show on Amazon Prime that has his doppelganger, the occult collector. Yes. I was talking about it today and he has a much better collection than Justin does. Like when we were recording in the Disney dungeon. Yeah, but he's got a collection of like shrunken like heads. And- he's got real like, like, oh, here's a fortune teller from the blank. You know what I mean? Here's a Chinese fortune teller. One of the first on the West Coast. Calvin Von Crush. Yeah. And he, he also, oh he has God. like a picture of, um, what, what was that? Uh, well, the, he has a leather face tattoo. What was the name of the theater in, uh, uh, Tombstone, Randy? Do you know? I've never seen all of Tombstone. No, what no, the in, what? No, 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 no. In the real town. It's still there. It's a coffee shop now. Oh, no idea. Yeah. So there was an old, in Tombstone, the real town, there was a theater and the building got bought out in like, I don't know. 1920 or something and yeah now it's a coffee shop all right now we need to circle back randy why have you not seen all of tunes wait hold on <laughs> i don't know i never uh just never crossed my eyes you know randy it's a good movie. <laughs> it never crossed your eyes <laughs> <laughs> yeah it never appeared in front of me <laughs> randy, i don't choose to watch movies movies appear in front of me i get it and you know what really helps is when somebody's really excited about it, and then you can make it happen. Watch Tombstone. <laughs> anyway, Calvin Von Crush, the you know the Justin dude, he had a show and a better collection, but he didn't have a family. 
And I'm like, that's the trade-off. There, you know, in life, like a lot of these um, multi-millionaire mogul motherfuckers, yeah, they don't have great connections with family or people or friends, and it's a trade-off. Dude, he's got eight kids. Who? The in and of itself guy. He's Mia. Fa- he's the male Mia Farrow. <laughs> that's not true. I made all that. Okay. <laughs> I was, I was like, whoa, there goes my argument. He's got a lesbian mom. That's all we know. About. Well, I mean, you can have, uh, you know, a large amount of children. It's the, the relationships I'm talking about. Brother, you're telling me. Yeah, right. Okay. So Actually, back- my dad had two kids and he couldn't do that right. <laughs> now, uh, to bring two it, that I know about. To, to, bring, to bring it back to my provocative title, uh, I watched a movie on Hulu called Triggered. Yeah, exactly. By the way, it took us 20 minutes to assemble that one clip before we started the show. <laughs> You're welcome. I know. I removed it. Somehow I thought it wouldn't be timely and uh, or evergreen. Now, um, what the hell is this? Triggered. Nine old high school friends have a five-year reunion camping in a forest. Who had nine friends in high school? They all have secrets. <laughs> Their old science teacher straps a time bomb to each one of them. Killing another one gives them more time. Last one lives. <laughs> That's the synopsis. I don't hate that. I don't hate that premise. <laughs> no, here's the thing. So this movie, it, it it's very polished. Everything is like 4K. All the actors look like they're pretty studio people from Hollywood. And then when they talk, you're like, something's wrong here. Like, like the screenplay writer, is he English? Like the conversations just aren't like natural in any way. Yeah. And just the way the story unfolds is like, this is clearly like a foreign person and dude, it's bonkers. It's fucking weird. Like it came on our radar because people were reviewing it. Just saying, what the fuck? Like this movie is just like insane. So it, they make like actual references in the movie to other horror films. So like one of them uh, critiques how the uh, plot of the movie is a lot like Saw. And it's like, that's weird. And it's kind of on the nose. But um, so the kids go camping. It's just like any slasher cast. They're all kind of like they all have, you know, um, very superficial reasons that you could see them die and maybe even cheer it on. Um during arguments, uh, it comes up that one of the friends set up their science teacher. Like, I, I forget what he did, but it pissed her off. So she went on his computer when he was away and looked up Nambla and just started going on Nambla sites. Uh, I did that to a friend. Did you? Okay. Well, he got fired for it. Well, he had to pay. T- I had to pay $10 to the library for a delinquent <laughs> uh, website fee. Really? <laughs> for Nambla? For Nambla. <laughs> He went to go to the bathroom and I was in his dorm room, so I just went to Nambla.com. Wait, how did they find out? Because it was on the search history. Wait, really? Yeah. They checked? Yeah. What the fuck? That was funny. Yeah, so he's like, do us on my record now. <laughs> just be like, dude, you're just looking for an older man. That like, it's funny. all good. Anyway, yeah, it happens in this movie. He gets fired. And now um, one of them gets knocked out while going to the bathroom. And then somehow all nine of them wake up, wake up with a fucking time bomb strapped to them. There's an offhand comment about gas that put them to sleep. But dude, if you're looking for a fun time, like a weird horror action film, check out Triggered. It's on um Hulu. 
and it's fucking bizarre. Like this was what the second to last day that we were like working on shit and I was struggling to stay awake. And honestly, man, I missed it because we were watching it with a room full of people, but I I'm tempted to go back and catch the ending again. Cause just cause I was like doing the five minute blank. This was on Hulu. It's on Hulu. Yeah. Very fucking weird. Um, and then the last film that I wanted to mention. Hulu's getting a lot of play in today's episode. Yeah. And uh, now we're going to a uh, new territory for me. Here we go. And um, this is a film that uh, we were going to watch a DVD. Do you need a theme song? No. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we were going to watch a movie that we owned on DVD because, you know, Madeline Screenames DVD box set. We're like, we got a DVD and it was called The Jogger. Um Go ahead and Google that movie, or if you're on YouTube, Oksana's going to pull up the cover. This fucking film has the weirdest... Look at that Look at that movie poster. It's a dude running down the freeway. Oh, and my he, goodness. It's like, in his wake, the ground is split. Are those swords? And it looks like there's blood in the concrete that's opened up. And it on, looks like Joe Rogan's face is on the concrete. God. And on the concrete, yeah, is a face split down the middle. Uh, can you just go back to the the cover i know you're rapidly looking for it there but um it's got a great tagline too oksana what are you doing okay yeah can you find that tagline for there it is can you read it clark the jogger he's running from his lies yeah so i think it's like a has joe rogan look at that Actually, it really does look like Joe Rogan. <laughs> anyway, look up that cover. We didn't end up watching it because when I pulled this out, Madeline went, holy shit, that reminds me of this movie I've always wanted to watch and never did for the same reason. It was a great cover, but she never got around to it, uh, which is, of course, called The Human Race from two, from 2013. Now, dude, check out this cover. The Human Race, man. Look at that shit. What is happening? So... Uh, the human race. It's the tagline is race or die, and on the cover we have a bunch. Of, oh, how do you describe that? It looks like the third Matrix movie where there's like a a tribal rave going on, and in front of a giant clock with weird figures on it is a uh, man with one leg. Uh, apparently, on, uh, very strange crutches. Yeah, he's got some like pro crutches going on now. This film, when she and, pull- and his and his stump is in a, it's just tied off. He's he, he's got jeans that are like stapled shut or something. It is, but like if you're gonna cut a leg off, he cut it around the kneecap. But this is like mid thigh, so it's like a so, quarter of his femur. So the human race. Uh, here, let me go ahead and read to you what it's about. The human race follows six runners over the age of fifty as they each train for the biggest race of their lives. Make no mistake, this document... Wait, what? This documentary is not cute? The runners are dedicated, fierce, what? competitive, <laughs> and could probably outrun you? Wait, can you go back to IMDb? You just close that. Yeah, go down. That's what it says there. That is the descript- That is not the movie. This Dude, IMDb, what the fuck? What? You know, we pay you to do all of our research this for us. This documentary is not cute? <laughs> what? <laughs> Uh, okay. 
Wait, no, okay, so now I just looked it up on a different platform. It says, here's a synopsis on Google. A cancer survivor, an amputee, several immigrants, and many other are snatched from an L.A. street and forced to take part in a deadly race. That's closer. <laughs> it is now, not- when you say race, we're talking foot race? Yeah, so... Pass. Here's the thing. You only race in cars, dude. Everybody knows that. The movie opens up with a... Uh, with a little blonde girl, and she's in an ER room. With, and then Woody Allen shows up. With a uh, younger sibling, and uh, they're complaining about how their stepfather took advantage of him. No. She, uh... Wait, 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 wait. Hey, Woody Allen called. <laughs> He's a pedophile. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so, there, she's in the ER, and uh, the first question is, where are her parents? But that doesn't matter. She steps out of the room and is instantly attacked by a doctor who just walks up to her and says, I got bad news. It's cancer. It's terminal. And right. So the little kid in there dies. Cancer took him. Then cut to the That's girl, quick. girl at home. She's looking at a picture and it's, it's uh, clearly an adult has drawn at what a, he, they think a child would draw. So it has like mommy, me, Amy, whatever. Um, hey, the whole family taken by cancer. Uh, what? So then, wait, d- stop going through the pictures. So then we uh, we go. So the story moves on. She has a doctor's appointment. It's cancer. Cut to her running at night. She's sprinting. She's just running laps. Uh, she's dieting. She's got another doctor's appointment. Uh, complete reversal. She's gone into remission. The cancer's gone. Good for her. So she exercised out her cancer. She the walks... Line- she walks out of the front door and she's hit by a car. <laughs> so now she wakes up in a prison penitentiary in a track. The track is full of people. Over a loudspeaker, you hear, there are 80 people. Only one will survive. Race or die. The rules are follow the arrows or die. Step on the grass and die. Try to leave. You die. Just Hunger Games. So what happens is she gets bumped off the road, touches a patch of grass, and her head explodes. Bye, bitch. <laughs> Dude, the movie, like five people, their heads explode right there. Is it cool, though? Does it look cool? It looks incredibly entertaining. Uh, they get very veiny. Oksana, you can go ahead and start cycling through these again. They get scanner <laughs> veins all through their body. Oh my God. Their arms come up like they're about to be crucified. And then their head explodes upward. Like you're, you know, popping a water bottle cap. Yeah, it's like the boys. And I'll tell you, dude, it opens up with oh. a ton of backstories of people. Like there, it looks like they're in a borough in like New York or something. And they're just have like, Oh man, I hate this town. Oh, there's a, the longest conversation between two deaf people I've ever seen on screen. And dude, they're just signing each other the whole time. And their relationship is so complicated and it goes throughout the whole movie. We do a good job of jumping around a uh, protagonist too. So you don't really know who is the lead. I'll go ahead and spoil that for you. It's the uh, winner of season one, a big brother who at 11 year old had his leg amputated. Yes, it is the uh, dude in the crutches on the cover. He becomes the weirdest action hero as uh Oh, I forgot a very important rule. If you get lapped two times, you die. So, dude, this movie is fucking bizarre. Like, I'll tell you, it's worth it alone just to see something completely unique. 
I've not seen a movie. Now, early on, you might think that this is a purgatory narrative as there's a lot of like heavy Catholic imagery and, and we have a priest there and, oh, and I'll tell you, so the follow the arrows thing, it'll be like, there's these like Rob Zombie looking like, oh, this is a devil arrow and they'll point you where to go. At one point they get into a church and uh, the arrows make you weave between the pews. And it's like, oh, this is interesting because if you go, if you run past an arrow, your head explodes. And there's a lot of interesting shit that goes on with the arrows and the lapping. Oh, now I don't want to tell people. And okay, you know what? It's, it looks like purgatory right off the bat. I'm going to go ahead and spoil it for you in hopes that people will watch this movie. If, if you're going to watch it already, just skip 30 seconds ahead. I am very, very sorry. Well, now that won't work. <laughs> okay. Now, if you're going to watch it, skip 30 seconds ahead. Uh, it's aliens and what's dude, aliens? It's the reason they're there. It's oh. fucking bonkers. And I'll tell you, dude, the one legged guy, um, what's his name? He really did win big brother season one. And Yikes. it's, I guess apparently this was going to be like, you know, his breakout. Did career. you watch big brother? My mom and Terrell are like the biggest big brother big fans. Big brother yeah. Uh, my mom does the online thing. I've never seen any big brother. Okay, well, Big Brother's just, you know, like real world, but uh, way more invasive. Let me tell you something. Big Brother is real. <laughs> yeah. And we are Big Brother. Oh, my God. So, 1984. I know. It, it's, again, we're recording on a weekday night. It's past Clark's bedtime. <laughs> I have COVID. I, yeah, you use COVID. I, however, I took my first test, came back positive. I'm going to die. Positive. Um, I'm positive that you were negative. Yeah, no, I was negative. Um, I'm going to turn this off. <laughs> there, it's turned off. No. So Eddie McGee, uh, yeah, he was the Big Brother winner. And if you pay, what, $15 a month, you can watch those live feeds all day. $15 with, a month? I think, I don't know. I just made up that number. The price was right. Yeah, so $15 a month. No, um, yeah, you have access to all the cameras. And it's really weird because if you start singing or like talking about like copyrighted shit, they just start playing loud music over it. Really? Yeah. Cause I've seen my mom sit there with her laptop. Well, that's a people. good way to be sneaky. Yeah. No, for sure. And people yeah, use it. No, I mean sneaky snake. Um, your boy was on there. Uh I have no boy. Tom Green. He was on Celebrity Big Brother. I do like Tom Green. And um Ross Matthews. You like him, right? No. You're not a fan? No, he was he's Jay Leno and I'm Conan. Oh, I never oh man, I can't like him then. He was on he was Jay Leno. He's one of my favorite drag race. Hey, um, he came to Thrills Matthews. It's yeah. into it. I didn't I didn't know yeah, that. Okay, yeah. Anyway, uh Randy Scout from one to ten. How was my Jay Leno? Uh eight. Oh, it's very high. Are you eating something? Yeah, are you high, dude? No. I did just sip a brew while we were recording, but I'm not oh. currently sipping or eating anything. What's tonight's brew, dog? Uh, it's a porter. Oh, po what are you, Russell, dude? I don't drink porters anymore. No. Uh, this was from uh, from Beer Drop, a uh, service out of Colorado. You sign up and they send you craft beers. Very nice. Via drone. <laughs> they drop it. Yeah. Um, no, I drink stout, but... 
lately I've been doing hazy IPA because I've gone full hipster. Hell Wait, yeah. Ghost, ghost Town Brewing. I get it yeah. over at Total Wine. I love it. Like a ghost town brewer. Yeah. So the human race is amazing. Again, I only we only found it on Tubi. And um, it's the first time I've ever watched a movie on Tubi. Completely doable. It's what, four commercials? Not bad. It's tough. I mean, now, the thing is, they got a lot of good found footage on there. I wouldn't fuck with the found footage movie on there. I've watched uh, Fleshlight. What was that thing called? <laughs> I mean. Nightlight. Red light. <laughs> All of these could be true. <laughs> Time light. Are you well, talking about the one where it's a flashlight? Is yeah, what's the, it called? Yeah, nightlight. Nightlight. Yeah, but also you watched Bad Kitties on there, didn't you? And Bad Kitties. Yeah, I watched that too. Yeah, like they got a lot of... Dude, they have a good selection on there. Also, the Straight Edge Ninja, also on Tubi. Now, <laughs> okay, so you've both... Uh, wait, is it? No. Oh, but I just saw, <laughs> I just saw the Straight Edge Ninja drop we have here. Um, Why do you want to be Edge all of a sudden? You know that guy drew from school, right? Brady, were you talking through a sock <laughs> in this movie? No, I think we just, I think we dubbed everything. And even then we had terrible audio. God, could you speak like a gentleman when you were a child? <laughs> okay. Now on Tubi, you both have it. Did either of you register? On Tubi? Yeah. I've no. never watched anything on Tubi. Oh, really? Oh, you do Mubi. Yeah, baby. Fucking lame. Yeah, Mubi, not Tubi. Now, you know what? Randy, Mubi, not Tubi. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, like registering, it's like, why would you do it? Like, Yeah, who registers? You know what? I want to, though. Why? Because you can't add anything to a queue unless you register. Oh, my God. But honestly, you know, I feel like That's Amazon. not cute. Cute and on. Um, Cute <laughs> oh, also, when we were talking to Eugene, Mumble Corey came up and I wanted to interject. Mumble Corey, hey. Somebody said Mumble Corey and I couldn't I couldn't sneak it in, but I fuck I wanted. This to. is all on Tubi. What we got here? We got. Uh, oh, Underworld. Randy. Never seen it. What about The Haunting in Connecticut 2? Also never seen it. Tubi's killing it, dude. Eight cold skin. They got warlock, pumpkin head. Dude, they have a ton of shit. Oh, it follows. Yeah, they no, they got a lot on there. Um, again, not sponsoring the show, but I do want to make an account because I wanted to add shit oh, to the they queue. got Mother's Day. You know who directed Mother's Day? Who? Former guest on this very show, Darren Lynn Bousman. Yeah, he's like a half guest. You know, there's nah, guests dude. that I think that are family. Let he's me- a dude that would, you know. That's true. Yes, we got, but it doesn't matter. We because we talked about uh, uh, Jigsaw's penis, so we (laughs) dude. He talked about the weird like alternate reality game school or whatever out here in the in the bay. Remember, he was Darren was great on the show. Yeah, he was fine. I wasn't. He was punchy. Because you could tell he was tired from doing all the press, and he we really did, didn't care what he told. We did us. a bunch of hack fucking podcasts. Like, yeah, and then he came to Daddy Town, and we didn't give a shit. So he was like, "All right, well, <laughs> let's not give a shit." Daddy Town. Daddy. <laughs> you know who directed Daddy Town? Also, <laughs> that is that is the new name of the show. Daddy Town. Daddy Town. All right, because Randy's a daddy now. Oh, Randy! Congratulations! <laughs> congratulations, Randy. Thanks. I'll be uh, moving to uh, somewhere where it's much cheaper so I could raise a family and also not collect anything. Where where would you move to raise your children, Randy? Uh, That's a good question. The only place I've legitimately thought about moving to is Atlanta, Georgia. 
Really? Yeah, it's cool there. It, Brady, it is far from cool. It is very humid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the humidity I'm not super down with, but uh, I don't know. It seems there's, fun. There's a lot to do in Georgia, Randy. Uh, it's a big state. And also there's a, uh, the Ocoee River is not too far away. A uh, very good uh, white water rafting destination if you're into that sort of thing. Also, uh, that is where the Olympic events took place in 1900. <laughs> nice. I couldn't have pulled that. <laughs> I'm here to help. Yeah. So the human race, check it out. It's fucking worth it. If you want to see an action scene where a dude with one leg manipulates his crutches and kicks a dude in the face. Also, no, Tubi's got some good movies on here. Yeah, there's a lot of good movies on there. And I'll tell Oh, wait, Jack in the Box. Can you click that? So there's a diodrama. Again, diodrama is a subgenre we made up where. What about dino drama? Where um, it's a. Uh, you know, an offshoot of Saw, where you have a bunch of strangers in a room. They don't know why they're there. Yes. There's a mystery host that usually is like feeding them clues or something. And um, I own that, but I, it's gone. I can't find the fucking DVD anymore. And Jack in the Box was a good one. I can't tell if that's it. I'd watch that. Uh, when a vintage Jack in the Box toy is donated. More of a Wendy's guy. Staff Excellent. members start dying and one realizes the creepy doll inside. That might be it. I'm not confident anymore. Also, it looks like he's in the fucking lamentation configuration. So I will tell you, I do like Jack in the Box's late night menu. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Okay, yeah, the human race. I'm done. But they should have it all day because I'm not a late night guy. Because I'm a gentleman. Don't they? They honor it all day. Don't no, they? no, 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 no. You got to wait till like nine or ten p.m. He's a pothead, Clark talking. Do, I don't no, like talking no, that guy. no, no, no. I, I, I may have had that one time <laughs> since I've become uh, how you say pothead. Before, what I would do when I would do standing up comedy, I would go get it when I would come back late at night. No, you'd get poutine. At midnight, I would eat Jack in the Box. Wait, can you scroll back up? Can you get out of here? This, and, yet when I was, and when I was doing that, I was 60 pounds lighter than I am now. Go back down. Wait, there's throwback? The evolution of terror is here? All right. Wyvern? Dude, the, Tubi's got a lot of movies on there. They're local up. too, right? Tubi Let's hit him up. Let's get a Tubi rep on here. No, why? So we could we could talk to him. <laughs> so we can talk about give her your commercials, you jerk. Be off. like, hey, I like Tubi. Can uh, we talk about it on the show for a no commercial exchange? Can you pay <laughs> Tubi to get rid of commercials? See, that's what. Yeah, you can do that with uh, Hulu. Yeah, but I don't think Tubi has an option. Tubi needs to. Get right, it Randy, together. get him on the phone. We're gonna we're gonna iron this thing out. <laughs> Yeah, I'll stop mood. by next time I'm in the city. Okay. <laughs> Just knock on the door. Be like, hey, I'm looking to switch over from Mubi. All right. Yeah, this is Randy from the Overlook Hour. <laughs> um, okay. I think we did it. Uh, enjoy the talk we had with Eugene. Great chat. Uh, towards the end of the interview, did I slightly throw Randy under the bus? Yes, I did. But I knew that Eugene was going to be there to catch him. And everything was good. Randy, what was the fear level when I did that to you? I don't know. It wasn't that high. Okay. Maybe like a, a six. Oh, a six. <laughs> well, like five is like just, you're just chilling, you know? Five is in the middle, so. <laughs> All right. Well, now I'm going to step it up for next week. All right. Who we got next week? I'll, I'll look at the doc. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I don't know. Who do we have next week? It's in the doc. It's in the doc. Wait, is it a secret? What's up, doc? 
Yeah, it's a sequel. Why can't we, we tease the we next We don't week? tell them nothing. We keep right. them in the dark. We're like, we treat our listeners like mushrooms. <laughs> we feed them shit and keep them in the dark, baby. Oh, dude. I'm going to cut your mic. That was um, a direct line from The Departed. When uh, Terrell found out that shrooms grew in cow poop, yeah. he flipped the fuck out on isolation. Where has he been for a hundred years? I don't know, but it was a lot of fun telling him that. <laughs> but- and then especially because Randy was like, yeah, I've tried them. He's like, oh, you like to eat shit? It was good. Um, also, we are going to be on other podcasts soon, so get ready. We're doing a tour. We're doing the tour de force. We're doing our own press junket. So uh, if, uh, if you're listening right now and you got a podcast, hit us up. We'll come on there. We'll fuck up your show for you. If you got another <laughs> podcast, you better get us on your podcast to help out your podcast. Yeah. You hear me? Yeah, I can guarantee a, a little and a fisher. You better strike that iron while it's hot. And brother, let me tell you, I iron. <laughs> <laughs> it's a putter. I it's am more so of- tired. <laughs> But, you know, uh, with a little bit of uh, grease in the wheels, you can get a Randy Stat on board. With too. a little bit of grease in your wheels. <laughs> All right. No, End we- the show. <laughs> What's okay. Uh, is there a button? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Enjoy your gene. And we'll see you on next one. So, Eugene, I brought up the tap water because uh, Madeline's in town, and um, whenever what she town? Hi, Eugene. <laughs> hi, hi, Madeline. How are you? They didn't tell me that you were on already. I'm great. I'm on. <laughs> I'm, I'm in San Francisco with them. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm not usually. I'm normally in New York, um, but... Got it. Cro- cross uh, cross the continent. Exactly. <laughs> for, th- for this podcast. Specifically <laughs> yeah. to talk to you remotely <laughs> exactly we we appreciate that hey guys if you had told me uh a little bit ahead of time i could have just driven up we could have done it in person wearing masks oh my god would that have been a delight wait where are you right now los angeles oh that's a bit of a that's commitment a bit of a drive yeah. Eugene. you would have been bummed out having drove six hours to hang out here <laughs> uh, uh, uh i don't want to burst your bubble or anything guys but that's actually was called a joke <laughs> that's that's what we refer to as uh, one of these humorous statements not grounded in reality we're learning things right oh, away that's what a joke is <laughs> yeah damn eugene yeah. you rule man i so she flew in and we're always you know trading um our favorite art we're trying to one-up each other and this year she came and she was like wait have you seen skydiver and she threw that on. And earlier when you were talking about uh, being a rough interview, I was just thinking about you um, pleasuring yourself over Zoom. And I'm like, I don't know. You feel pretty comfortable whenever you talk to people. P- pleasuring myself. The hell, that <laughs> the, hell are, the hell are you guys talking about over Zoom? Uh, I'll tell you something. Uh, if, if you're referring to the movie Skydiver, um, like instructional video, um, that was made in 2010, long before Zoom was even a little sparkle in the eye of a uh, Chinese disruptor. <laughs> you know that. So, so, so we were u- using, I think, probably Skype. Either it was either Skype. Well, okay. So that, since we're talking about a, a moment in the film Skydiver where I, uh, my character, <laughs> I, <laughs> my character. <laughs> 
is um, masturbating in bed only to be interrupted by a phone call from his uh, sort of future um, like handler in the uh, anti-taxes, anti-water, um, like basically like not really Islamic, but some sort of weird mystical religion adjacent uh, cult. Um, anyway, yeah, we were, I was probably filming that on a, um, what do you call it? Photo booth, photo booth on MacBook. And then most of that film is filmed through screen grabs of Skype or, um, Google, Google chat. And I would just, I was just doing a quick time, you know, you could do a quick time sort of, uh, screen capture. So that's how that was recorded and made. Um, so, so of course this is all to say. It had nothing to do with fucking Zoom. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, have you ever seen the film um, The Collingwood Story? No. Is that like a horror film? Yeah, it's a found footage film that mm -hmm. uh, predated video chat. And uh -huh. the whole film takes place over a computer via video chat. But the director had to like create the aesthetic and like wow. what it would look like. And Skydiver looked a lot like that. So wow. I wasn't even sure if you were really using video, like a built-in camera. I was using, what is it called? Welcome to Collinwood. That ain't it. <laughs> what is it called? It's called the Collingswood story. Collingswood. Okay. Got it. 2006. Cool. Yeah. I should, I should look at it. Oh yeah. The screen grabs look interesting and like, um, <laughs> funny in the way where people had to like predict what interfaces would be like and stuff. No, I don't really, is from what I'm seeing in these um, images, I don't really know if it looks like a uh, skydiver, but I do like how it looks. It actually reminds me of um, the Tribe Called Quest music video for Scenario. If you look that up, you'll see there's all sorts of user interface uh, things that they're doing that uh, are, you know, have to do with like computer apps oh, yeah, and, yeah. and programs. And stuff. I know this one. Yeah. I think what I, what I was trying to articulate with Collingswood is kind of like a low light, not a high def camera. Yeah. So yeah. It, it had that very kind of like early two thousands look. I mean, Collingswood is a future that never happened. So they're straight up like it looks goofy, but man, I, I fucking love the way that movie looks. I'm gonna watch it. I, I think it's it's uh, it looks cool, and your recommendation is enough for me. I'm interested, obviously, in this aesthetic, and I'm interested in you know visionary attitudes towards it. Of course, like like Skydiver was made because in 2008 I shot um, this movie Zeros and Ones, and which the whole idea of that movie was we're gonna shoot every scene with multiple cameras. And then we're going to embed that footage into apps and websites and games and other um, computer centric um, delivery systems, basically, you know, communication systems. And it'll be like a movie that takes place all inside of a computer. And hopefully the viewer will be processing the narrative the way that they would process their own experiences online. So, um, you know, you'd just be dealing with text and multiple windows and scrolling and all these things. Um, and, and, and hopefully I would be able to figure out a way to, you know, sort of update, um, you know, cinematic grammar for a kind of this new way of processing um, imagery on a screen that everyone was kind of getting used to at the time. Um, and that took um, over two years to um, 
graphic design every app, every game and animate it all and get the timing right because we wanted it to be funny and not just fucking confused. We wanted it to be clear and funny and not confusing and boring. Um, so there were a lot of people who volunteered on that with me. And, and I really mean volunteer, like work for free. And it was a really amazing um, process and collaboration to work with all those people. But, you know, as a director, you're like, oh, wow, like my vision or my concept of what this was is really changing and evolving. And, and it's really amazing. And, and, re and really also, you know, I was 21, 22, 23 while we were 24, it was like those three years. That's when I finished it, when we made it. And I, I was just scared, kind of like losing control. I guess, I guess I'm not a director after all, just like someone <laughs> who's, who's help, helping a bunch of other people design a fake do, doom game or something. Um, so, so Skydiver was made while we were finishing Zeros and Ones because I was like, well, I wanted to like kind of take control of a film. And that film was like, and also was very interested in like the screen aesthetic and how I could tell cinematic story through the computer. And so I was just like, um, okay, I'm just going to actually pretend to be a character and start talking to people through Skype that don't even know I'm acting and I'm going to start recording them and they're not going to know I'm recording them. And then along the way I did let some people know. Um, and so they sort of then became kind of performers with me and the thing, but I made it in real time, like, like skydiver, I made basically over the course of 14 days. And what we did is every single day we released a new episode. And so after 14 days, we had basically 12 episodes, but those, that was it. those conversations for the most part were like, like completely candid and, and, um, and improvised and they didn't know that they were acting in a narrative you were creating. They yeah. were interacting yeah. with you and you were acting different. Exactly. Exactly. I, I would say, especially the first like six or seven episodes, but even after that, I think if my friends had been watching or whatever, they kind of just kind of naturally picked up on the fact that the thing that was interesting about this was like a real and sort of candid, like you said, interaction. And so even though on some level, they were prop they were aware that, you know, I'm not being fully myself or um, there's like a, they're being recorded. Um, it didn't really phase them. I mean, it was kind of an interesting era for, you know, kind of online communication. Whereas now I think everyone is completely performative and how they, you know, represent themselves on their own social media or in other people's social media. Um, so it, we hadn't gotten there yet where people were just like completely like inauthentically performative to the point where like performativity is now authenticity, <laughs> but we were also past an era where people were really uncomfortable, like being on webcams or like yeah. uncomfortable. So I kind of was able to do it during this weird sweet spot where like everyone was just ready to be documented without being freaked out by it, but they weren't like total, like assholes narcissistic losers about it either you those know? early beatles videos where the girls didn't realize they were like they didn't understand the concept of being filmed while they were watching the band so they're just like losing their shit you know yeah. i mean i think people still do that i mean i think people still do that over like a k-pop band or like yeah, justin yeah. bieber 10 years ago yeah, i mean i think when you knowledge of like how how am i supposed to behave when i'm being recorded right right right, right. Um, and like exploiting that to make something that feels like so intimate 
Yeah, well, that kind of also changed the course of my attitude towards filmmaking, too, because, I mean, I, I love zeros and ones, and I think what we did there was pretty special. But, um, you know, the acting style in it is, is, is not very loose. And um, I was very demanding in, like, how I wanted people to, like, you know, deliver their lines and how I thought the comic timing on things were. I mean, that's it's questionable whether, like, the you know, whatever. It, it, I was definitely way more invested in a certain type of line delivery, stylized line delivery, uh, when I made that film. And then with Skydiver, the fact that, you know, it was all improvised and it was basically like having kind of funny, mildly manipulated conversations with my friends where I was able to sort of like, through the force of like my performance, kind of guide them to where I wanted them to go without them even kind of knowing it is what set the tone for like the next three films I made, um, you know, Wonderful Cloud, Wobble Palace, and uh, this web series I made, Feast of Burden, where I was an actor in them. And I just realized that like, it would be a really easy way for me to direct performances of other people if I was in scenes with them yeah. because I, I knew what I wanted. Yeah, um, you're kind of leaning more mumblecore but like I wouldn't call your stuff mumblecore because, you know, of the acting style and, and like, you know, the dialogue. But um, but that is super interesting that you went from zeros and ones, which is like hyper controlled, like flashy to this like looser thing where you are really interacting with your movie um like more directly i i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i mean i wouldn't like i would say the main difference between um like a wonderful cloud a wobble palace and like just a generic mumblecore movie mm -hmm. and and there are obviously movies that could be in that category that i like mm -hmm. um is that most of them are uh, really boring and, and full yeah, of losers. That's exactly so. why I want all your movies. <laughs> <laughs> because, so I don't, I, I, because I'm ultimately driven, even like I have a lack of resources on those films and I wasn't particularly interested in making a horror film, which I think is probably the best genre when you don't have resources. Mm -hmm. um, I was sort of interested in like interrogating um, you know, a certain brand of youth culture and like making fun of it and like figuring out what was happening um, when people try to like fuck or fall in love or whatever. So those movies are basically, like, you know, relationship films. Um, um, but oh, oh, what I'm saying is um, I'm really driven by like entertainment, for lack of a better word, you know, just like engaging audiences, trying to make sure people are feeling things or whether it's laughter or disgust or like cringing or whatever or, or even crying you know like all this things are really important to me and I, I in general i would say like mumblecore by definition has a certain amount of like laziness to its <laughs> yeah. like to its execution and i'm just not like that um yeah i mean I, I would say with a lot of mumblecore films they're like yeah we're showing real human emotion by simply showing a human um yeah by just showing people like whatever i i mean I, look i, I Anyway, I don't mean to rag on like anyone's films or anything oh, like yeah, that. Yeah. Filmmaking is in, inherently is difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Although I don't want to um, lose the the conversation about zeros and ones. If you don't, yeah, yeah, no, bad. no, let's let's go. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, especially because you know we're showing it at the the film fest in a couple of weeks. I've heard like, that. <laughs> so that's cool. I appreciate that. I mean, it, it's, it's a such a cool movie, and I feel like you were really ahead of the time when it came to overloading people with social media essentially because like mm -hmm. pre-smartphones like I, I didn't have a smartphone until like 2011 yeah. so that idea of kind of like seeing constant like images like flashing and um i mean 
it was sort of like old school internet, like message board and like website. That's just a bunch of, you know, GIFs, but like, yeah, I don't have any film reference for the aesthetic in Zero and One. I don't think there is one. I was thinking about it, and the only interaction with like a computer overlay that I could compare this to mm-hmm. is like Ghost Rider. The one mm. TBS show where they had the like ghost oh, friend that not typed. the Nicolas Cage vehicle. Not the Nicolas Cage. <laughs> okay. Where where we have like this like digital intrusion. Now I, I have to say, Eugene, I think this is one of the most like visionary films I've ever seen. We're, we're, we're dealing with like a youth who's like, I think he's having relationship issues, not like just with women, but with everybody. And the way he kind of breaks it down mentally is through the lens of a like computer and it, everything looks like it's in a monitor. Now we are showing the film at the film fest, but originally I had to fight Madeline because she was saying this will be a great entry for a screen life. Mm-hmm. Except I was like, I don't think it is a screen life movie. And she's like, Literally, it is a screen life movie. It is the the most screen life you could possibly be, considering it is a screen the entire time. It's life portrayed through the screen, because one of my favorite things about the film is that we're basically subverting the subplot, the idea of the subplot, by having that on the screen at the same time where we're watching the main story. Yeah. And so, yeah. Now, my argument, though, was it's not really a computer. Like, he's not interfacing with the computer. And we're not watching any real computer. It's, it's kind of like it's computer. a metaphorical. Yeah, I'm almost <laughs> yeah. like it's a layer of emotional distance that he's putting on the real world. So way in here. <laughs> oh wait, what were you guys saying? Computer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, no, 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 no. I heard you. I heard you. Um, <laughs> You're just making videos um, again. That's yeah. Number two. Oh, yeah. It's um. So yeah, the idea of the film, right, was to present um a cinematic story a narrative um and and there's a few things going on (laughs) which is i always thought the lamest sort of like indie narrative and this is probably why i made those later relationship films too in a way was like kind of like obliviously entitled asshole guy like yearning for his amour and and being like really like angsty and whiny about it and then like thing and then things happening where they do meet up and it works out or it doesn't and it's dramatic or whatever um so like narratively like the 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 function in the film is that he is like obsessed with this like you know phantom like love interest for you know the first act and then his computer gets stolen and then he doesn't care anymore because actually the computer was way more integral to his existence um, and his identity than any sort of like lustful yearning. Um, but to speak to like the, you know, the formal idea of it. Um, yeah. It basically is this grammatic um, lens to um, understand the reality of this person, right? So unlike what was later coined screen life or unlike Spree, um, which is basically like the evolution, Spree is like the last movie that I made, is like the evolution of um, a lot of my conceptual ideas with zeros and ones. This is not a film that, um, you know, is documented through like behavior on a desktop, right? Yeah. This is not like skydiver or searching or unfriended. 
um, films where basically like your the documentation of a story takes place within the framework of um, video chat apps built into um, you know a normal OS that people use at home. Um, Zeros and Ones is a movie where basically every scene and sequence and set piece and, and the whole thing takes place through, yeah, the universe of how we process things when we use computers. So um, talking about it on a kind of like metaphysical screenway for metaphorical screen level is like correct because um, there's this... It's just a kind of window into the psyche that we had. And it's interesting you say it's like you had a smartphone in 2011, right? Like probably I did too, probably 2011 or 12, I would say is right for me. Um, the, the thing that, that Zeros and Ones captures is that like pre-smartphone moment where I think we probably forget now all of that energy and um, time that we're currently spending on our phones, we basically were spending on our computers, more or less. Probably a bit less because the phone just goes with you wherever you go. But just the sort of energy we're putting into social media on the phone or into interacting on the phone, we were doing that with computers. And so um, probably between the years of like 1990 seven to like 2010 is really like that era um and so yeah that's that's kind of what the film is trying to reflect and trying to process and trying to say hey like if we're spending all of this time um interacting on this screen how then do we process our stories that things that happen in our own lives through this screen and so that was actually the attempt of zeros and ones, dude, just, you, you nailed it. You you fucking nailed it, and it's so confusing to me that more filmmakers haven't gone this direction. Like, I, I see a push, like especially in horror and art house, for like slow cinema. Like, yeah. eight twenty four is really like. I feel like the conversation is, hey, we need to slow life down. Like, people are, they're on their phones too much, and we really need to appreciate like a a skyline and you know walk through the woods. And it's kind of like this forced slowdown where your film is kind of like those days are gone and kids now, they don't know what the fuck's going on, but they can understand it in a heavily complicated screen. And yeah. it's like, cause so many films, we go to a four, three ratio and it's all narrowing yet. You use the whole screen and you use every fucking corner of it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a maximalist. I mean, honestly, I view slow cinema the same way as I view mumblecore. It, by and large, unless there's like a master practitioner, it's, it's very lazy. It's like a lazy style of filmmaking. Um, no, for sure. And we're, uh, of course, we know Spree. I have my Blu-ray in the room with me right now. <laughs> cool. And and like, of course, we're, we're big found footage fans. And one of the things with like Unfriended or uh, Collingswood that I think is very important is not to treat your audience dumb. And not in like the horror way where it's like, oh, we're going to have a flashback here. So we remind you of a story twist. But more like an unfriended, she's on live leak. Like we're we're not like changing things in a like winky way or in a distracting way. And I don't know if you've seen Searching. Mm -hmm. Okay, now the thing I hated about Searching is that movie fucking holds your hand in every regard. There's like a large, a large narrative uh, background music. The score is very handwritten. Right. And like in the film, and it takes place in San Jose, and San Jose sucks. Yeah, Continue. there's another. Yeah. But like wow, in, okay. in the movie, 
Like, if <laughs> want you to like say we have a computer screen, and of course it's widescreen. Most people have multiple monitors now. Yeah, and yeah. They want you to look at one thing. They literally zoom in the camera, and it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. over here, and it's like no, no, no. We know how to look at a fucking computer screen, and that's yeah. why they like, confronted work. Because I we like looking at the songs in her iTunes and yeah. we like going through her emails and we like looking like we're the ultimate voyeur now. Yeah. Dude, no, I, feel, I, th- I, I do feel, think that <laughs> I just want I feel like you're the only dude that gets it and it's very refreshing. Thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, no, I do think that, yeah, the probably the most interesting part about um a screen film, whether it's a computer screen or a phone screen, which is what Spree is like, right, is um, the voyeurism, like the inherent voyeurism that, you know, is the grounding for cinema. I mean, cinema is a voyeuristic medium um, and the great, you know, some of the greatest works of cinema are about that, right? Like like Rear Window, I think, is probably one of the greatest movies ever. Um and there's a lot I agree. More. Of, course, yeah. of course, there's a lot more, and there's a huge, obviously, sort of tradition of it in horror. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the most fascinating things about this language and about this visual style. And um, well, Eugene, you know, my voyeuristic go-to. I I heard Harmony Korine talking about one time, the first time he ever saw the show Cops, and mm. it clicked for me too because my favorite part is we get forced entry into people's homes who aren't ready for it. So you just get to take in unfiltered, like America. And uh, dude, it's the most voyeuristic pleasure I've ever had. Uh, it's also kind of like a sickening show cops. I mean, it is, it's, it's actually revolutionary, right? It is like the ground and even maybe more than like the real, obviously the real world is a big part of it, but like reality television, Mm -hmm. you know, cops is, Right, this sort of weird, like a uh, produced verite, um, you know, brought into people's living rooms. Yeah, um, and it's really, it's really revolutionary. But the uh, difference between like reality, though, that faux reality, I'm not interested right. in. I feel like that's Hollywood reality, and I kind of like the ugly, like, like like the Bravos and the E's. Yeah, but the the other thing is, it is a heavily produced cinema verite show. Yeah, and yeah. It's like what they choose to leave in is incredibly interesting because right. you want to make ratings. Right. And a lot of the times, you know, the people uh, who are being challenged by the law, they're kind of like the afterthought. I don't know. It's so ugly and voyeuristic. Like, oh, yeah, it's definitely a vision of America. And obviously what we know from the media is that um, people like car crashes and, oh, yeah. people, and people like train wrecks and people like conflict. I mean, um, I don't want to say like, I, people are drawn to conflict, right? It's the basis of all drama. And so, you know, if an episode of Cops was just them driving around and, you know, getting cats out of trees, and, <laughs> you know, playing basketball with the neighborhood kids and whatever else, that's an episode of Cops that they will never be airing. Oh, um, I, you even, know, I disagree. Because the thing I think I like about Cops is the reality. The honest reality where they're, everybody's aware there's a camera, but it's like there's only so much you can do when you're in a foot pursuit. Yeah. But they do have episodes where it's like, you know, like a little propaganda piece. And it's like, hey, we, there was a girl in the middle of the street. We helped her cross. And hey, we're just doing our neighborhood duty. Yeah. Cut to hey, like dude on the ground. Hey, you're right. I uh, My um, level of uh, 
database knowledge of every cops episode is, <laughs> is, 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 pro- is probably inferior to yours. So I will, I will yield to you on that. And I, I don't debate like the truly revolutionary nature of that, um, that show. Um, you know, what show I liked when I was a teenager that I think is really revolutionary. And I was on a call the other day and someone kind of trashed it. And I was like, are you kidding me? My friend, um, 24. Remember that show? I do remember 24. Now, now that is a high concept show. That is the idea of that. And I think was probably inspiring to me as I, as I got a little older when I, when I came out, maybe I was 13, 14. And um, yeah, just the idea of that each episode is real time and the tension that you generate from that. And the fact that the entire season was 24 episodes it was one day and it was it just <laughs> some, some, something about that, even when I was like a, a tween and just getting into movies and being like, um, whoa, like something, you know, I actually do think that there's like this purity that we have as teenagers when we first become passionate about art and stuff where we are just being spoken to by things without really a lot of context and without really a lot of like extra textual knowledge. Um, You know, we're not connoisseurs yet. We don't really um, discriminate due to whatever reviews or like who made it. We don't really care about context. We just are spoken to on a kind of visceral and emotional level. And I think in a way that's kind of like our purest moment as um, like appreciators of art, um, of good art, of populist art. You know, there's all yeah. sorts of cases to be made for, you know, like more complicated forms of art. Um, but now, hold on. I, I want to talk about 24. Yeah, sure. You make, so, you make a lot of interesting films and I'm, I'm curious why you were attracted to it. There's the there's the um, obvious kind of like aesthetic overlay like we're always aware of this like time yeah uh, it's, it's like a creator parameter too yeah and i feel like a lot of found footage filmmakers are people who are playing with storytelling context and yeah. the medium we you like parameters so do you like the rule set of like this has to take place in a day yeah i think i do like that um spree takes place in a day um you know, like I think, but I think people like that too. Like why people like Christopher Nolan movies, people, you know, high noon is a classic, right? Like, like, look, first of all, when you don't have a lot of resources, um, you're going to have limitations to what you can do as a filmmaker. And so with limitations, you start thinking like, well, how can I use these limitations to my advantage? Right. How do I, how do I turn an obstacle into like an opportunity? And I think a lot of creativity comes from that. Um, And so I think a lot of the greatest low budget movies are movies that just take advantage of their lack of resources, you know, from whatever obvious things like Blair Witch to whatever clerks to stranger than paradise to whatever. It's just the French, you know, early French new wave. It's all about like taking advantage of what you can do when you have nothing and when you have, um, mobility and freedom and, um, you know, the ability to improvise and move and, 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 or just say, Hey, I have one room. Like, okay, I guess I better trap a bunch of people in here. I think the only thing that's really like pleasant to like the human brain when a rule is set that, um, is like unique in that way where it's like, this has to take place 
in one day and we cannot break the time. Oh, for sure. And it, and it accomplishes that. Well, I think if your audience is in tune with what you're doing, mm-hmm. uh, they're in on it. Yeah. It, like, like we've been doing this dumb bit with two sentence horror stories at the beginning of the podcast. And it, it's really, it's an easy way to like approach what we're talking about because that it's two sentences and it's got to be spooky. Right. Yeah. So it's setup and punchline. And if you can really like get somebody with that other sentence, Dude, it's rewarding in a real way, which I, you couldn't convince me of prior to doing our dumb thing. Well, <laughs> boundaries are very important, obviously, because also, <laughs> like, we, here are the parameters, and then, you know, you can go outside of these. And then, but that way, the audience knows that we're outside of the parameters now that everything has been set. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you well, set up the yeah. rules, yeah. So, once people accept the rules, then the fun of it becomes you're subverting it if you can, not too much, but if you can, it becomes fun. Um, what's so wait? What's the deal? You guys have a thing you do at the beginning of the episode, but you didn't do it <laughs> at the beginning of this. Episode. No, okay, so um, uh, did we just break the rules, guys? <laughs> no, no, they they they're, they're not no going to make you be around when they record the intro. <laughs> it's so, <laughs> Eugene, what happened is that we we have a, a wonderfully talented musician who does uh, the intro music for us, and oh, okay. out of the blue, he just sent us a new theme song. And Eugene, we've been doing this show for about it'd be five years this summer, and Great. we started with the focus on horror, and we've sort of. You know, independent film. What basically, whoever we can book, that's who we get on the show. And oh, great! Thanks for. Uh, so I'm I'm in that whoever we can book category. Great. Welcome, welcome to the fold, sir. So a notch on my belt. And um, it, with the three talking heads, uh, one of uh, heads who is on this program who refuses to talk during the interviews, uh, talking about Randy. We all have different. Um, uh, things that we enjoy in film. So uh, it, it sort of brings a whole different level to everything. So it's not just necessarily horror. We do have a focus on that. But anyway, the theme song that came to us was very uh, spooky town. All right. It was a little too horror focused for what we were doing. So we thought a way to subvert that is to put this dumb little bit at the beginning of the episode, a two sentence horror story, and then essentially make fun of that address that, yes, we have this spooky theme song and then completely shit on it. Okay. <laughs> so, 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 so what's, so where does that fit into our uh, unique and powerful interview that we're in the midst of? Oh, just talking about like storytelling parameters. And no, 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 no. Sorry. What I mean is, where's, where's the song and where's the fucking story? I don't want to. I don't want to be gypped here. What's yeah. going on? Well, so part part of the other problem with this show, yes. we start off. You know, we would have like scary music, and then Clark would talk about indigestion for a half hour. Oh, I see. I see. I see. So we're. I'm. I'm just a little clip in the midst of a, of a, of a larger Howard Stern esque kind of circus. I got it. Look, okay, no, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I just didn't want to feel like I was getting a, uh, I was getting sh- shafted by a lack of uh, a little horror uh, setup and punchline. Eugene, okay, anyway, you're a very important cog in this wheel. All right. No, no, yeah, I'm happy to be a cog. I, I love being a little, pl- a little plinko disc. Okay. Man, I'm gonna hold you to it now. We gotta have him write one. Yep, you're yeah, gonna write gonna- one now. <laughs> yeah, no, send, send me some samples. Yeah, I'll write one. Okay, send him some Army Hammer tweets. Oh, there we yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, we, we did go on a uh, Army you're, Hammer. Uh, you're, you're, a, you're a bad girl. 
That's essentially when, when when I'm hungry. <laughs> Dude, I think that's it. That's it. One and two. Can that be the one for this episode? That, that's it. You're you're a you're a naughty naughty girl. <laughs> Pretty sure that was the exact one two weeks ago. When when I'm hungry. <laughs> so, yeah, hungry boy. Um, all right. Well, anyway. That's that's what you get for uh, DMing DMing randoms, <laughs> and that's what you get for DMing randoms and watching Fifty Shades of Grey. Fuck yeah! <laughs> Do we like no go back to Spree? <laughs> yeah, no, we can go back to Spree. Uh, so, so, so look here for a minute. <laughs> let's let's live in the Army Hammer bits. I like that. No, no, I, I don't really want it. It's like all sad. All, all of, you know, cancel culture is really sad and pathetic. And, you know, all these people are so horny, sitting around so horny and like loveless. And then they just see someone that they can destroy for being like a dumb loser. And, oh, for they, sure. just go, and they just go for it. But like, you know, the same people who are canceling him are the same losers who are like reading Fifty Shades of Grey and watching it five times. And it's just oh, like, of course. it's like, what are these crazy weird double standards? Anyway, I'm really not trying to defend the guys. He seems no, I mean, because it's, yeah. it's like, back to like internet voyeurism. Mm-hmm. You're of course, really, of course. We love to look underneath that armor and just and know that people are vulnerable and we're in this weird agoraphobic moment in the world and we're like we're dying for human interaction which is exactly the argument i was making about zeros and one not being a screen life (laughs) movie yeah yeah well i think the other thing is that we're not just voyeurs anymore we're like the people on the freeway who are like you know if you're not just rubbernecking it's actually that you say hey if if you press this button uh, there can be like a cool car accident for you to look at in 10 minutes. Are you down? And it's like, and you won't be in it. Don't worry. And everyone's like, yeah, 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 definitely. Let's, uh, let's press the button, you know? And it's not, we're not just in a voyeuristic moment anymore, you know, because the internet has, you know, democratized everyone's voices and that has led to some very good things that has also led to a culture where, People can be really, you know, essentially anonymously petty um, and feel the power of their pettiness. Um, When our forces combine, when our million anonymous uh, voices combine, we can destroy a a person who made a mistake. And, uh, you know, and whatever. Eugene. It is is what it is. It's safe to say you're a fan of the Internet, right? fan of i mean that's like saying that's like being in the year 900 walking up to walking up to a christian uh, walking up to a peasant in france and being like so it's safe to say you're a fan of god right <laughs> and, then, and then what are they going to say yes he rules over me every morning i wake up and god is there and he's watching and praise jesus our savior and what do you mean you mean what do you mean I'm not I, I, is, is it possible is it possible to not be a fan um you know or whatever. I think it's literacy. Well, I think everybody has a fingerprint in the internet now, whether they like it or not. And I think everybody tries to... Um, not my uncle also grid. Okay. Oh, yeah, not, not your uncle, Randy. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> not, not Randy's uncle is sending packages out. <laughs> Randy, are you there? Randy? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. <laughs> Randy's going to fucking tell his uncle about me. (laughs) I do probably have extended family that are off the grid somewhere in Montana. So you're probably right. Oh, Montana. Oh, Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Who said that thing about their uncle? Was that Randy? That was me. 
Oh, so that was who? Clark. That was Clark. <laughs> Clark. I don't even know if everybody told me their fucking names, by the I way. Mean, I so. that he was you on totally the when I when I sat down and put the headphones on. I'm like, oh, Eugene's here. So um, okay, wait, Randy, I am so so sorry. Clark. <laughs> Clark. Yes. Don't don't tell your uncle about me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, um I have to send it in a carrier pigeon anyway. That's the only way. Communication. You know, those are gone. Those are gone. These beautiful, <laughs> these, these beautiful pigeons. They were once. They were once the most uh, like um, populous pit, populous bird. Um, what am I thinking of, guys? Yeah, carrier pigeons, homing pigeons. Yeah, they were. There were once two hundred million homing pigeons in America in the year eighteen thirty, and then by the year nineteen hundred, there were zero. What no, Eugene? Um, are you doing some sort of documentary <laughs> on pigeons? No, I, I had this conversation like a week ago, and oh. guess what? You guys ever heard of uh, you know starlings? These little uh, blackbirds that are form these swarms and stuff. Yeah, you know they're not native to the U.S. You know how they came here? How they flew? No, a Shakespeare enthusiast who was working with uh, Shakespeare in the park in in Central Park in the late eighteen hundreds. Um, Decided to introduce them for a play. <laughs> so he brought uh, 50 over to the United States. And now there are hundreds of millions all over. Of course. That's all it takes. Because snake freaks like Madeline over here, oh, they, bring, they bring these little pythons over. And then they destroy the ecosystem in Florida. Well, do you know about the, the I think it's lionfish? It was like some really, really rich dude was like, I need a tank full of 50 lionfish. And then there was a, I think it was like Florida or something. Yeah. And then there was a flood and the tank cracked and then 50 lionfish got into the, the, the water and, um, and they just bred out of control. And now you can like hunt lionfish as a sport. There's, <laughs> there's many fish like that, like well, Asian carp. They're, they're the fish. If, if you watch, I guess it's fish that we know about. Eugene knows about birds. We know yeah. about fish. So. It's horrible. <laughs> this conversation is getting pretty pretty fishy. <laughs> um, no, I mean the reason that they all those uh, carrier pigeons are dead is because they were like, okay, just like literally shoot shoot at will. Like you know, they filled the skies and they were like, okay, let's just uh, shoot them because we have bullets. And we don't we don't even need them for anything. And now they're hunted by ghost dog. Yeah, now they're literally all in heaven. <laughs> ghost dog's not an animal; it's a jarmusch film. No, no, I, I know that. But, oh, 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 yeah, I see. But those, those are a different breed of pigeon than he uses. I, I gave him a look like I was scared. So. No, no, I, I remember he uses, uh, you know, whatever, uh, message, messenger birds. But I, those aren't actual, like, the G- genus carrier pigeons. Anyway, so, so the thing about zeros and ones um, is that... No, no. So I will say something. So that that to me was kind of like, okay, I'm trying to invent a new language. I'm trying to be whatever. All these filmmakers um, that I remember, like Godard or Antonioni, I'm trying to like change the course of cinema history. Okay. And I did that and it took a long time. And it, it was kind of this thing that didn't really, that didn't really um, integrate in a way that I think was like conducive to a casual viewer where like you guys said, you have to kind of understand it as a sort of like mediation of reality. It's like a story that presents you with a type of vision that mediates reality through the thing that we've been mediating our experience through. Right. 
And then as opposed to something like Skydiver, which is a documentation of how we do, in fact, interact through computers. And so a few years later, when I saw um, Unfriended or uh, then eventually Searching, that was much closer to Skydiver, even though actually a lot of people who worked with me on Zeros and Ones ended up weirdly working on Unfriended, like my assistant editor is the editor unfriended. One of my VFX guys, he was the VFX supervisor on Unfriended. So That's I think definitely some of the things that I came up with and that we yeah. came up with, you know, definitely influenced that movie. Yeah, um, definitely way ahead of its time. And like when I watched it, I was like, I cannot believe that this is like 2008 or I mean, like 2006, I think is when it said. No, no. It, oh yeah. It's set yeah. 2006. And then we started, yeah, 2008 and we finished mm -hmm. in 2010. But then, so then with Spree, I was like, look, the thing that's actually missing from this is that if you really think about um, like, um, well, Skydiver, right? It's missing like a frame story, right? For instance, it is called instructional video, but like there's no thing where you're like, okay, I'm going to like document all of this because I want other people to like, you know, learn or something, yeah. um, even though it has that title. And so when you think about like Unfriended or something, there's no real reason why you're seeing this. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of like, oh, hey, the movie is presenting you with this story that took place on a computer. Yeah. Um, and same thing goes for searching. Mm -hmm. Skydiver so, is a little more of a narration to it in that your character actually like um, breaks the form and speaks directly to us in a way that makes it feel more documentary. Yeah, there's like a diaristic quality to it for yeah. sure. And and there's a documentary quality to it. I would say like actually my, the thing I'm most proud of in Skydiver is, so going into it, I actually didn't know when I made the first episode, which is basically like, I was like, okay, half of these conversations are just things I fully recorded and the other half I will record for this. I was like, this is going to ground people. You know, the first episode, just my character kind of riffing on this girl that he was thinking about flirting with, attracted to, whatever. Um, and that would just feel really real because it is really real. Like, you know, and then the second episode is kind of like the beginning of the dissolution of the character. And that's when I really, I had gone through a breakup and I was like, maybe I could just use this breakup as a jumping off point for, you know, domestic terrorism or depression or whatever I wanted to explore. So I, I integrated my, my real breakup into it. And then as it was wrapping up, um, my ex-girlfriend who I had this breakup with reached out to me and said, Hey, like, you know, like, I think we should talk because we hadn't talked like since we broke up four months earlier. And I said, could you just hold that yeah. thought for a second? <laughs> like, I'd love to talk to you. I actually was obsessed with talking to you for, like after we broke up, but I'm thinking it'd be great if we could talk in about four days <laughs> on, on a webcam <laughs> that I will record it all. And, and um, she was open to it. And, and she's an actress herself, Kate okay. Shield, and she's eventually the, the, the lead in um, A Wonderful Cloud, which is a movie I made, we made a few years later. Um, but yeah, so she was down. And so this actual kind of reconciliatory, um, you know, almost like fact finding conversation that we were both wanted to have about like, a, you know, what happened to our relationship and why we broke up and where our feelings were at and all that is a real conversation. Like that is not 
at all different than how it would have happened if it was not recorded and if I was not a, ter- a terrorist style character about to suicide himself into a the tax building <laughs> or something. So, so I, I'm really proud of like capturing that because I don't. I think it's really rare in a movie that has a narrative through line to capture something that's truly real between two people and um, you know. So so okay. So that, that's that. And then well, first, hold on. with skydiver though, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to push this on this episode a lot and I'm going to try and get people to watch it one because it's on Vimeo and yeah, it's, it's available, free. but two, I feel like it's timely in a terrifying way. Mm-hmm. And without like the thing I mentioned to Madeline is the thing I loved about skydiver was it's so timely yet you still come across as politically agnostic. And I think that really opens the door for anybody to watch it and kind of be terrified with this very personal story that takes a very timely twist and i'm i'm very excited for people to rediscover it yeah it's pretty you know it has its own pace and there's something you have to be i think i can tell from our conversation you have to be a bit of a voyeur to really get into (laughs) it but i do think people who are like you know cinephiles and kind of have like a cine Cine look at reality always like that movie because they just are plopped into like you know a person's life and um well Eugene hopefully, hopefully it's funny enough and, and has enough like kind of interesting interactions that you're just like oh fuck this is interesting yeah, yeah. and you, you can carry it you're just you're an interesting dude and I think what you're articulating right there is the whole problem with found footage horror. Like it's nested in the horror community. And I don't think it's really for horror fans. You kind of got to be like an, uh, somebody who appreciates the craft of filmmaking, enjoy kind of like highbrow dissertations of film and what you can do with narrative. And also like watching a, uh, I don't know, a dude get killed by a possessed blender. Right. Someone's brain, brain, yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone's brain gets splattered, yeah, with a, a pickaxe or something. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. I think, look, most movies suck. Um, most people are good filmmakers. I think, obviously, people who succeed in making found footage horror films, um, I mean, the ones that are really good are really good in the horror genre and probably are really sophisticated on a filmmaking level, but that's not enough to have a hit on your hands. And, and I think, you know, what horror, I mean, the grounding for horror is, um, a kind of lack of knowledge, right? We're scared of what we don't know. Yeah. And so that's why horror movies take place in the dark. That's why you have really, that's why sound design is really important. And that's why, um, you know, the implication of, of fear is, is the implication of what's scary is often scarier than just showing it, you know? Um, and I think most found footage horror that really works, um, you know, uses the parameters and language of horror in a really strong way and says, okay, what, it, what are we anxious about in this medium, in this VHS or in this webcam or in this, um, I don't know what other found footage styles there are, in this, in this digi cam <laughs> whatever so my favorite moment in spree well you know early on the moment where i knew i loved the movie is the first time that he opens the car door uh-huh, uh-huh. The mounted camera swings with it yeah 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 and like that is the moment that defines what we're going to be looking at yeah and it's such a simple thing but it's so like explicit of like you know this camera is mounted to a car door and this is your viewpoint 
Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we had, you know, the film. So look, let me just take one step back. So after, you know, um, zeros and ones and skydiver, um, basically there were seven, eight, nine years there until I made spree. I was processing other stuff, kind of figuring out whatever other forms of filmmaking. And so then, uh, with, with, if you think about those films altogether, Zero and Ones is like this, like kind of, yeah, metaphorical mediation of what we've been experiencing, tell a story. Skydiver was kind of basically a proto screen life and that you're doing it all in a screen as people experience it. But then there's no point in, of documentation for all these screen life movies I've been seeing. And once live streaming started becoming a thing I was aware of um, through, you know, kind of Twitch streaming, but also mobile devices in 20, basically... I mean, you're always aware of it. There's still, there was live streaming in 2005, you know, but um, once it became like more popular as a way people make money, um, I just thought, okay, that is actually the um, grounding for why you would have a, um, you know, screen horror film because it would be live streamed. And so, so the rationale for its documentation would be real. You know, um, and that to me, I thought was something missing from screen um, movies that I had seen up till that point. So like, p- pure screen movies. There's no reason why their screens were documented. And here I was like, oh, actually, Kurt is a live streamer. Kurt is streaming all of this evil shit he's doing for views and for followers and for likes. And that was really important to me, just on a conceptual level of why I would revisit um, the sort of conceptual framework that I felt I had already exhausted like 10 years earlier. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so different. Like in spree, it's all about chasing fame, which is the whole yeah. social media thing. And I, I now I am almost like face blind when it comes to film and I never can point out actors or anything yet. You've got some like interesting people playing roles in this film where it's kind of like a clout chaser is our lead who's taking his aggression out on a society and filming it. And you have like Frankie Grande, you had Misha Barton. And then now David Arquette is like, got this whole revival in horror. Don't, don't tell me you're face blind to David Arquette. No, of course. He pulled through. <laughs> Normally yeah. I, can't, I, mean, right. I can't pull anybody. Yeah. Yeah. But like, how, how was it working with them? Great. Super, super duper. Um, you know, it's my first film that had like a real budget. My first film where I had a casting director, my first film where I am not acting in it. You know, that was very scary to me because I told you I had developed this sort of style of directing where I could kind of control the flow of the scenes, um, by being in it. And of course, all those films have scenes that I'm not in. Like there's obviously scenes where I'm just directing purely from behind the camera. But I thought, you know, that was with my friends and people I knew really well and I knew what's good about them. And I knew what's flawed about their performativity. And so I could just tweak that. And I was really nervous, like going into it, like, oh, I'm going to work with like professional actors who have been like directed many times by like real people. <laughs> and, and this is going to be fucked and I'm going to be exposed as like a fraud and all these things. And um, it was super great. Like, I mean, Joe Keery is, I think, honestly, a generational talent. Like, yeah. I, I would be, I would be shocked if he doesn't have an amazing career in the next, you know, twenty yeah. in the I next mean, coming I years. Clearly, doesn't like he clearly will take risky roles and is is comfortable looking like weird. 
Um, <laughs> I think it's, it's for him, it's not about risky or not risky. I think for him, it's um, does he think it's smart? Yeah, he's he's really smart and he's very sensitive um, and obviously a really good improv or really funny, whatever. But his um, kind of intel, emotional and kind of thematic intelligence is really off the charts. And um, he fleshed out that character in a lot of ways that I didn't imagine and um, knew how to have fun with it and also knew how to make it um, emotional and how to also how to make fun of himself while still being like make fun of the character while still being very um, emotionally grounded. And um, it was really amazing to see him work. And every all of this is just to say that working with David Arquette was really easy and fun because he's super talented and most I think professional actors on the level of most of the people in the film are, are successful and professional because they are really good at it you know um and, but someone like also you know people who are reality stars like um Mala Kent or like Frankie Grande or whatever, they're also really good performers in the same way that I think a lot of the actors in my earlier films are good performers where they don't really, it's not about like um, method acting. It's about projecting your own like kind of manipulated emotions um, in a way that's like accessible and entertaining to a viewer. And I knew how to work with people like that. And I think more and more, everyone is becoming like that, but definitely reality stars are like the top of the pyramid. And so I, they both sent in um, tapes, audition tapes. And I was like, wow, they're just like literally better than how I wrote the characters. So I'll just pass them. And um, so, so yeah, so it was cool. Misha Barton's great working with her too. She's so totally easy, total professional, totally down, down for, down to clown, as we say in the filmmaking community, down to clown. Now, Eugene, I ask uh, the hard-hitting questions on this show. Please, so, uh, please. Prepare yourself. Here we go. Uh, what is – you've got a little bit of a theme with alliteration with the characters' names. You've got Kurt Kunkel, Chris Kunkel, Miles Manderville. What's going on? And those all sound pretty funny to me. I mean, you're saying these names out loud and I'm laughing. So that sounds about, that sounds about right. I mean, they sound ridiculous, huh? No, I love which is, which is the point. I mean, it's, it's satire, you know, like, like Spree is a satirical film. It's a film that is trying to make fun of all elements of the culture. And um, these sorts of names, they just uh, get stuck in your head. You know, we live in clown world, right? So sure. we just need to tease out clown world. <laughs> um, and, then, and then the thing about living in clown world is that if um, someone tries to point out to the general populace that um, the universe we inhabit and that we actively participate in is demented, carnival-esque, stupid, and false, everyone will feel like the movie or the art that points that out is demented, stupid, and false, yeah. which isn't how it is but people in the moment don't get it so that's how you get you know um whatever jonathan swift or montaigne's essay on cannibalism <laughs> or um starship troopers you know that's how you get those or showgirls um that's how you get those sorts of movies that are revi reviled reviled and misunderstood yeah, and yeah. um make people angry. Yeah, I, I just, I thought it was so interesting that you've got Frankie Grande and Misha Barton to play, they're kind of the villain in the narrative of the film, where we have this boy 
Kurt Kunkel, who's spiraling out of control in a live stream, hoping that people will like and donate and kind of elevate his standing in um, society when he's got Misha Barden in the back seat. Who? Oh, me. Well, Misha Barton's in the front. She comes up to the front, okay. and she's, yeah. she's she's sitting next to him. <laughs> she he has she has kind of a crush on him. She has a kind of crush on him, which he is like asexually oblivious to. Um, and her reasons for that crush are also comical in my mind, and I think in Misha's mind. Um, but there's not enough. Like I wish that whole section of the movie was three times longer. Um, the dog, uh, not to spoil the movie, but you know we have these attack <laughs> attack dogs that and. and and that part of the story. Um, wait, sorry, but fin- finish your point. Well, yeah, so. I, I was just thinking like, you know, social media real estate. I feel like you look at like uh, Frankie Grande, who, you know, is a sibling of a megastar. Misha yeah, Barton, yeah. Who, who was on a hit show. Yeah, yeah. Yet, who used to have a lot more real estate in like TV. Yeah. And yeah. it's like they're kind of here. And they're, you know, the spiral is happening in this movie that they're acting in. But yet they're kind of a part of the problem in reality. And I just thought it was so good because you're right. You are having fun in clown world and it's a send up yet. It's incredibly true at the same time. Yeah. But I, w- I wouldn't indict them as no, the no. part of the, I wouldn't indict them as part of the problem. I would say that like all of us, they're participants in a, a sort of attention economy that we're a part of now pre social media, this used to be relegated to like, you know, the world of celebrities. Right. And so if you were a celebrity, you now entered into sort of like public attention discourse. Um, but now we're all celebrities. Essentially we all potentially could be famous overnight due to one of our hilarious tweets or uh, due to being a horrible person who's getting canceled or due to being a normal person who's suddenly getting canceled or whatever. Um, so, so if anything, they're more like the canary in the coal mine than, um, uh, you know, sort of the villains or something. I would say someone in the film, in the framework of the film, obviously Kurt is the most villainous and weirdly also the most sim- sympathetic character. Mm-hmm. Um, but someone like Bobby, right. Who's like Kurt, the kid Kurt used to babysit who in a weird way is like his mentor unbeknownst to Bobby is his mentor um, is probably like, you know, v- most villainous because he's the most amoral and he's the most immoral. And he is also successful from his immorality. Right. And his knowing immorality, whereas Kurt, thinks he's helping people. Kurt thinks he's making a tutorial to help people go viral. Yeah. Whereas Bobby makes videos where he um, forces homeless men to chase, you know, dollar bills on fishing lines and then um, ridicule them, you know? So I mean, that's a very conscious act. Um, I'm, I'm like putting together now, like um, Kurt is doing a tutorial in which you never really learn how to do anything. <laughs> and like the same with yeah, the you do. Skydiver. I mean, I, are there really steps, or are they just sort of like tagging? I, I mean, I think I think you can learn a lot. I wouldn't suggest anyone learn a lot from it, but you know, there's all sorts of stuff in there for your local psychopath. I mean, too. I like that kind of delusion. That like, yeah, yeah, it is a delusion, of course. Yeah, of course. It's not actually teaching anything, but you know, there's a zillion delusional people out there who mm-hmm. think that they're teaching all sorts of things online who don't know what the hell they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And luckily for us, very rarely does it result in violence. But um, yeah, the the sort of horror uh, genre endgame of 
all of the delusional, you know, kind of lonely lost people out there who view themselves as a, a, one click away from being the next great influencer. Um, the horror uh, sort of, you know, end game of that is this sort of murderous rampage. Yeah. It was really interesting for me, like watching Kurt, because in one moment I would be like, I would pity him. And then he would start talking and I'd be like, I feel like I'm watching that Elliot Rogers, like, yeah. uh, like manifesto. Yeah. And well, his, his, his videos. And stuff. It, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, that is, is really like difficult in a sure. way. Cause yeah. I was legitimately very uncomfortable in, in scenes, but I was also enjoying myself, which is like kind of a cool, like duality. Yeah. Well, I was I was fascinated with the um, the Elliot Rogers videos and mm-hmm. the manifesto and all that mm-hmm. that tragedy really happened. Yeah. That tra- tra- yeah, yeah. It was it was it was it's the voyeurism, right? Fascinates you to characters like that and the sort of documentation of their um, you know cruelty and their insanity and their victimhood. They're sort of like you know they put their victimhood on display, and I just honestly saw it as very transparent. Mm-hmm. the sort of um, performance quality of what Elliot Roger was, how he was behaving was so performative. And so, you know, villainous, almost like he was casting himself as this like spurned super villain. And I just thought like, and then I also saw online how certain people were attracted to that or thought it was interesting. And then, you know, we had this whole decade of, of horrible you know, mass murderers, oftentimes teenage or 20 something men. And, and a lot of them left behind video documentation of their feelings and their uh, view of the world. And oftentimes this was a kind of weird transmogrified anime villain. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just wanted to make fun of them. Yeah, that was, you, you, that was (laughs) intentional though. Like you were thinking about like those videos when you were, were doing spray. I, I just, I, I just thought it was the way that let's make fun of. Okay, Eugene. yeah, I just wanted to make sure I had caught the like that was the intent. Yeah. I, th- I think you're totally right, Eugene. That is the right uh, way to treat these type of people too, because the media often gives them a huge platform, makes them look extra evil, it and lets, turns it them into a celebrity to cast them as the supervillain. Yeah, and it makes them. It really propels their uh, social media real estate. Yeah, and uh, I, I really like that that movement of no, no, belittle these people and tear them down. Yeah, let's just let's just make fun of them because their behavior, it, besides being you know horrific and tragic and ugly, is also just really stupid and yeah. um, deserves to be made fun of. And obviously, I understand why like Newsweek can't make fun of them, and I also understand why like President Obama couldn't make fun of them. But I, as a filmmaker and as someone with you know like whatever. Um, something to say artistically uh can make fun of them and i think they deserve to be made fun of and as as does everyone else in the film i mean you know obviously kurt is the focal point of the satire but everyone else in the film who more or less like caricatured versions of people we know um deserve to be made fun of like even jesse adams who's ostensibly like the most heroic person in the film you know she's not just complicit in the machine that she's trying to quote unquote, you know, uh, make fun of on her, in her standup. She is, um, celebrated by the system mm-hmm. and she embraces that celebration of her status as a viral megastar. Um, you know, again, spoiler or whatever, but, um, you know, you have to make fun of everyone 
Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise you're not making a satire. You're making something that's kind of didactic or something, mm-hmm. which is not what I'm interested in. So I know that they're going to try to wrap this up in a second. Um, uh, actually, so- I have. I just got a text, so you, we can go a little more if you guys want. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> oh, Eugene, you made a horrible mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to. Uh, whatever. There's a question I, I need to ask, and I wanted to ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Look, we can we can go a little we can go a little longer, but only only ask me. Gotta ask questions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, none of this fluffy bullshit we've been doing. All right, Only fine. The- gotta know. How yeah, did you yeah. have access to VR World? That is my question. Oh, VR World for We Are? Yes. Uh, um, I helped build We We Are VR World. I don't even know how to pronounce it. No. <laughs> I I helped build a VR world. Yeah, that I was. Uh, my friends lived down the street from it, and they like had their first date there. And so, wow. <laughs> oh, I love that. We love it. We love it. It okay. So I just like had uh, we had shot Wobble Palace, but um, the in- money that was invested in it yeah. wasn't enough to finish it. And then I went to New York to help take care of my grandma who was dying. And then I thought, okay, I need to raise money for the movie and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I eventually ended up working at Condé Nast, but like as an editor on like videos. And actually one of the videos I worked on featured Joe, which is like a crazy coincidence. But um, another job I had in the city was I uh, helped develop and picked all the games and was sleeping like the character in this in this movie that we're talking about we are which is available for free for all the listeners at www.wear.fyi um was living and sleeping and um playing games at uh vr world Okay. And was there, was there when it, when it opened. So if their first date was there, I was probably walking the floor, like making sure none of the tech was breaking down. Yeah, and I mean, this was years ago. It would have been like when it first suddenly. Oh, like, 2017. Yeah, oh, yeah. 2017. And are your friends are your friends married now? No, but they are living together. Like, but they're not they're not broken up. No, they're a fantastic <laughs> gay couple living in Midtown. Another um, great VR world success story. And for you know, since we just launched into this, VR world is like a, a little theme park. It's like a virtual reality theme park in in Midtown New York. Um, yeah. So wait, when did you actually shoot? We are cause that- 20, 20, 2017. Okay. 2017. And it's like the most recent thing that you put out. It- right. Right. I put it out after spree. So, uh, um, I wanted to finish wobble palace, finish wobble palace. Um, it came out at South by in 2018. I felt like I had good momentum. I had just, we just finished the script to spree with my co-writer, Gene McHugh. And we were just, I was just out there pitching it and like raising money for Spree. And like, I just couldn't find the time to really edit We Are. And then I also thought this is a much weirder movie than, um, than, than Wobble Palace in terms of its narrative structure and in terms mm-hmm. of like what it's about. And, and by, by its nature, it, it was a film that was going to fuck with your, uh, assumptions about you know reality and like how you watch a movie and like what a movie story is and I just thought that might scare off people who I wanted to give me like a million dollars to make a movie <laughs> um, 
And so I didn't go through with editing it. And then the next like two years of my life were taken over by Spree because I also ran the Kurt Kunkel, Kurt's World 96 account on Instagram. And, you know, editing Spree was like really time consuming. Writing all the fucking comments and the chats inside Spree was really, really time consuming. So basically like Spree was, and then also Kurt posting after Spree's release where I would constantly be checking on the reaction of the film online, like the sort of evil Kurt in my mind um, was extremely time consuming. Um, So when all of that, when I felt like I could divorce myself from like Spree a little bit or fully, I said, oh wait, I have this movie laying around. Well, wouldn't it be cool if and this is around November, 2020, wouldn't it be cool if I could um, finish editing it um, and put it out in 2020 so that 10 years from now when some random teenager is looking at my IMDb after my uh, Oscar winning uh, film, uh, The Purple Notebook, <laughs> whatever it's called, good, 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 title, good title, Eugene. Um, uh, they'll be like, whoa, and this guy put out two movies during Corona? He like made two, he made two movies in the middle of Corona? Because you know, when you see the little fucking years in parentheses, you just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, normal person, they just think, oh, they made that movie, like, in that year. Um, and so I just thought it would be, like, a nice little feather in my cap to be, like, a, a guy who made two movies during <laughs> Corona when actually neither of them were shot um, during Corona. Um, so, yeah, we just edited my, my editor uh, on that film, Tucker Bennett, and I just really zipped through it and finished the edit, and I put it out on December 31st, 2020. So there it is. And yeah. what's, what's the name of the uh, – how can we access that again, Eugene? Uh, Go to www.weare.fyi, and it's just there living. Actually, all of my movies besides Zeros and Ones are pretty easy to watch. Um, I think uh, Wild Palace is on Amazon Prime. If you have Amazon, really evil corporation, go for that. Um, Tubi, A Wonderful Cloud is on Tubi. Skydiver is on my Vimeo. Feast of Burden is on YouTube and uh, Spree is on Hulu. Um, I got Hulu just so I could see what it would be like to watch Spree on Hulu. But uh, <laughs> I know a lot of people have it or their parents have it or their um, ex-partners have it. So just log in with their Roku. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, lock it in. And then We Are is free on that website. So it's all out there. Um, a great filmography just waiting to be discovered by all of your wonderful listeners. Um, <laughs> and uh, the hey, and ones, they can, you know, attend the Unnamed Footage Festival. March 26, of- March 27. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. Oh, great. And that's a virtual fest, right? Yeah, yeah. It'll, it, we're actually, it's a 24-hour live stream. So oh, we're going to start streaming at um, about 5 p.m. Pacific and go for 24 hours. Um and do people buy a ticket or is it just kind of free? It's a $10 badge to access the whole thing. We That's great. $10 for 24 hours of movies. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And we're, we're like giving all the proceeds to um, to like nonprofit and indie theaters that are, you know, still shut down. Yeah, we're um, helping reopen theaters. That's what we want, at least. Great, great. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that I can contribute to that in the smallest yeah. possible way. Because I um, want to get back into a theater and then and then you know, hit you up again to show Skydiver in a theater on a big screen because... Wow, that would be, uh, that would be cool. You know, there is a, there is a um, 
feature length version that I also cut that yeah. we we toured around with. So maybe um, if that ever happens, we'll we'll put up. Oh, I want to watch that. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's probably a fifteen minutes, maybe twenty minutes shorter than the series version. It's just I cut I cut a few of the little things. Um, um, well, that's that's super cool. I'm excited to uh, to see what I'll I'll be tuning in. And I'm excited to see what the uh, the fest holds. Well, thanks, Eugene. We're we're happy to have you a part of the festival. And uh, anything else you want to plug, man? Uh, just a little peace, love, and understanding, or whatever the fuck uh, people <laughs> want to do. Just uh, I think just you know, get off the phones, read a book, uh, take a little time to reflect, and um, and. Uh, you know, appreciate, appreciate human beings all right. uh, for all their madness. So I'm going to, uh, we'll close out this interview with a new segment. I've just decided to do right now. Oh, good. It's called <laughs> last word with Randy. Uh, Randy, close out the interview. Cool. You really put me, put me on the spot here. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I love that. That's what we call Im- great improv. Come on, Randy, let's do this, buddy. <clears throat> Yeah, um, have a good rest of your day. Uh, Listen and watch all of uh, what Eugene just plugged. Uh, Lots of good films. I did watch We Are. I don't usually talk in uh, interviews, but uh, I like that. (laughs) What are you going to do with your Sunday, Randy? Come on. Uh, I don't know. Probably go for a walk. And uh, yeah, that's about it. That's beautiful. Go for a walk. (laughs) Enjoy the know. That's great advice. Go for a walk. We love that. Randy, you did great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Eugene. Eugene. Thanks, guys. Thank great, you. great talking with all of you. Thanks, Madeline. Thanks, guys.